Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, it's been crazy all week. First of all, we had Monday and uh, Tuesday where BlockTalk was redoing their system, their Direct Connect, which works very well now, by the way. Um, so they had uh, apparently some bugs with that, and so we couldn't do the show. And so Wednesday, yesterday, I invited all my Monday and Tuesday reporters who wanted to come back and uh, and have a chat to do so. And we had Brianna uh, and Jonathan call in, and we also had Pianchi join us uh, on the show as well. And it was quite a free-for-all in the last, like, hour or so. It was, it was really fun. I, I was getting bored. Like I say, I don't like to talk too long by myself. I just don't. It's a talk show. But I, I don't have to be the one talking all the time. I don't know how Rush Limbaugh did it. He didn't have guests. He just sat there and, and just – well, he, did, he basically he did three one-hour shows. So he prepared an hour, and then he repeated himself twice. <laughs> I can't do that because there's, there's too much happening. That's why every hour of our show is different. Um, we have different people, different things, different stuff going on. There's just a lot of, of things happening because I'm, you know, it's part of the ADHD thing. I get bored really easily. I mean, really easily. And if I'm bored, then that just that's it. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. And because, uh, you know, my attention span is so limited, even for my own voice. <laughs> if, some, if stuff isn't happening, I just get bored. I just, you know, that's it. And so uh, that's why there's so much variety, so many changes, so many different reporters on this show and so many different topics. You know, because there's so many things that I'm interested in. I mean, it just really never stops. We yesterday we covered um, Maui. We talked about uh, J6. We talked about um, some of the other scandals and things going on. And it's going to be really interesting to, uh, you know, sort of kind of sort this stuff out with Maui. Um, I've got a lot of very, very um, I don't know. They're not bizarre, but they're kind of unusual theories. You know, I think the the, the biggest one is the, the DEW, the, the, the direct energy weapon theory, that something shot something, you know, and created uh, these circular rings of, of, of fire. Well, if, if fire starts in one place and burns outwards, if there's no wind, then it's going to make a circle. Uh, and so if, it, if it's the same stuff and it burns uniformly, it, it might look like that. So it's, it's theoretically possible to do that. You know, the fire hydrants were low. Well, maybe the water pressure was low, bad time of year, or maybe they just screwed up and didn't turn them on you know, full or didn't have a boost pump thing. Uh, the electricity is still being on. That was a mistake. They should have turned the electricity off as soon as the fire started. That's the first thing you do, especially if it's because of power lines, because you don't want other power lines. You know, you don't want power lines breaking and, uh, and uh, injuring people and, you know, starting more fires. So it's, um, I never quite looked up why, how power lines start fires, but I have seen lines break. I've seen broken power lines and I've heard the sound they make. It's pretty loud. And it sounds like, you know, and uh, you look at them and go, oh, boy, <laughs> that's not good. Stay away from that. And I've seen lines down, and I've called the utilities, both in Florida and California, and you wonder how people drive by them and go, oh, down line. And you don't think, well, gee, maybe a kid's going to play with that and die, <laughs> you know? I mean, the little civic responsibility here, please. So that's what's happening there. Uh, the big announcement, of course, is tomorrow we're starting the show late. And so we have a couple of very interesting guests. Uh, the first one, uh, returning guest, Bianca Von Krieg, is my progressive leftist, left coast actor, very interesting person, um, friend of mine who's going to be on the show at 10 a.m. So we're not starting until 10 a.m. Central Time. Okay. And then uh, a brand new person who I don't know, but I'm getting to know, who's absolutely fascinating, 
is uh, Brianna Latipo, and she's an author. She's she like me has had a you know pretty crazy childhood. <laughs> and I put that crazy, and that's, that's like the the nicest term I could use. Uh, and grew up with all kinds of uh, people doing what uh, people do, you know, trying to destroy your spirit and uh, ruin your life and do everything else. And apparently, there's a lot of that going around. So she's going to be on. She's also the uh, the wife of Dr. Joseph Latipo, who is the uh, Surgeon General of Florida. And so that's going to be interesting as well. So we're, well, it should be. A very interesting show. Uh, Bianca's interesting simply because she knows so many people uh, in in the world of progressive politics. I mean, it's theoretically possible we could have AOC on the show uh, and some other prominent uh, left-wing folks, which I would love to have because I want to talk about stuff with them. You know, like I say, disagreements is not a problem. Anybody who knows my show knows that disagreement is not a problem. I've had on ACLU folks. I've had on other folks. And we do what, uh, you know, I think is proper. We discuss the issues. Where we disagree, we say, you know, I disagree with you. And it's okay. <laughs> it's not the end of the world, okay? The, the world doesn't stop turning. We just disagree. Um, in fact, I've got one of those interviews today. So in the second hour, I've got uh, uh, Rob Boston, who is uh, the head, still apparently, I just looked it up, of uh, the Americans for the United. <laughs> the Americans, the Americans United. So in other words, if you're not united with them, you're not an American. Or, or somehow, we're all, all Americans are united behind this idea, right? Americans united for the separation of church and state. And, of course, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that. In fact, uh, I had forgotten the revelation I came to uh, when I made this uh, interview back in 2017. That if you separate church from state, you also separate people from from God, basically, uh, and you separate uh, God from creating our, our our rights and endowing, and, you know, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. Well, if the if there's a separation between church and state, then the state has no connection to God, and therefore the state has no connection to God-given rights. In other words, they can make up their own rights for you. And so that's exactly what happens. So this is what I, you know, I didn't really think of it at the time so much, but I think that's what's really behind the so-called separation of church and state. It's really the separation of uh, God-given rights and government rights, because if they can separate completely from people um, or anything to do with government, then, uh, you know, the, the wall of separation is, is really between uh, between you and your rights, <laughs> you know, you and your unalienable rights, you and your God-given rights. That's what the, that's what the whole idea of uh, separating the church out and putting government between you and your rights. Um, and that, that basically ends your rights. And that's, of course, the whole purpose of, I think, what the organization is. But you'll, you can judge for yourself. I'll have that in the uh, second hour. So feel free to talk about that then. Got a lot to do this hour. I have a lot of interesting articles. It's kind of like a, uh, like a catch-up day because... You know, things build up pretty quickly around here, and I have a lot of stories at the bottom of my computer, and I get too many, and of course, the broadcast signal kind of degrades a little bit. But uh, that's the big news. Tomorrow we're starting late, and so be be aware of that. I put notices on Facebook, too, and then um, it's going to be guest hour. And so I've talked to my other folks. I've got messages out to Tara D., who does the um, uh, animal shelter, Santa Rosa Animal Shelter, and also to... Um, our financial guy, Derek, uh, Derek Park. And so I'm doubting Derek can do it. In fact, I might try and get him Monday, first thing Monday morning, and then have him back on Friday. That might work out. But, it's, but uh, Tara might be a little more flexible because she calls us from the shelter. So we'll see. It just depends. Um, so it should be interesting to find out what's going on. Uh, live chat's up and running, and so I expect Marco to check in here anytime. Uh, also, Skype line is, is still open, so anybody wants to call us from anywhere in the world, you're welcome to. Something happened yesterday. Our show spiked. We get this massive audience jump on Apple. Apple Podcasts. I, I don't know if Apple's advertising us or, or what's happening, but all of a sudden I get this big boost. 
I'm like, yeah, thanks, Apple. Appreciate the help. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've always known that this show could be a multi-million worldwide listener show. Uh, it's just a question of breaking through the censorship. I was checking um, uh, Twitter again, and then my, my lead post, my pinned post on Twitter uh, has had one view in the last, like, five years. <laughs> so uh, one view. So you, you want to talk about that censorship. That's impossible. You know, unless I'm being censored, just luck, people would view it more than one. You know, most of the show, it's funny, you can look on there and I'll see like one, two, maybe three people have actually looked at my posts when I do the show posts. This is why I don't post my show on Twitter anymore. Uh, they say, oh, well, there's no censor. Elon Musk took over. Well, I got news for you. Yes, there is. <laughs> there's massive censorship. I have gained, I, I think I've lost one follower in the last uh, three years. I certainly haven't gained any followers, which again, with the guests that we've had is impossible. You know, the podcasts are going crazy. We have lots of, lots of folks on podcasts. Apple, uh, what are some of the other ones that are out there? Tune in. Um, to, 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 this is, Apple's the big one. Uh, but there's this other ones. Just the regular uh, Blog Talk Radio podcast, you know, is big. And there's like a few of them that are, that are I have to go look at them again. Anyway, I'm having like a mental blank right now. But uh, we have a lot more listeners on podcasts than we get live. And so I, I'm curious where this, the, this sudden spike in Apple podcast has come from. What did you do yesterday? It was, I mean, it was a good show. I just, but we didn't have like a big guest or anything like that. It's usually the, the guests that, that spark the, uh, the large uh, viewership. But, you know, you never know. Every once in a while, uh, I did a thing on, uh, are you tired of being a slave to Ukraine? Uh, and that show got a bunch of listeners. So you never know. Uh, usually it's the Malone, Dr. Malone's, the Dr. McCullough's, you know, the big shows like that. Ed Dowd, those are the ones that get uh, the big listeners. Uh, Christina Bob got a bunch of people too. So that was a good show. But you just, you know, I, it, just the regular stuff we do here is so different that uh, it, it's very interesting. Anyway, the other thing, and I was, I was talking to Pianchi off air about this. I was thinking, I don't even want to talk about it, but I have to talk about it. Uh, and that is the fact that uh, Mike Lindell, who advertised 15 times a day at least, uh, in fact, in order to get his frank speech, you have to listen to uh, yeah, all the advertising he puts into your email. So I, I just you know, look at it and delete it. Okay, that's nice, Mike. Thanks. We're actually we, uh, we're an affiliate. Uh, your, our discount code is WYL. Um, I've got to, I still have to remake the commercial for that because I wasn't happy with it uh, the first time, uh, even though I played it a bunch of times because, you know, I, anyway. Um, but what, what's fascinating to me, and this is a theory I've had for a while, uh, is that um, these people, you know, the so-called patriots, the, 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 the freedom fighters, they don't want solutions because if they wanted solutions, I'd be there. Action Radio would be there. Our bill writers would be there. You'd be there, <laughs> you know, and, and, but, uh, but none of us are there. So why is that? Uh, the host yesterday was Emerald Robinson. She was there in the morning hosting a bunch of different people. Uh, she's a fabulous host. She's a great reporter. She does a, a wonderful news show um, on uh, Frank Speech, which is Michael Wells TV station. She's had me on. You know, I got, I got five whole minutes to talk about vaccine product liability, and she was really good. She read the bill. She knew about the bill. But then there's no follow-up. You know, I should have been on Steve Bannon. Uh, I should have been on, uh, you know, I should, should be on with Emma Robinson, you know, once a week talking about a new bill or at least once a month. But certainly once a week, it you know, would be nice for every couple of weeks because there's so many bills that we have that need doing and you have to go over the same bill so people get the idea. You, can, you can't just cover it once and then disappear. Nobody sees it. People need to see things six times just to, just to have it stick in their mind. So we should, you know, be nice to have a, a weekly feature for five minutes. So here's, here's our bill of the week uh, and you need to send this in. You know, along with our other other bills, you know, people's yeah, and you can't just send a bill in once to legislate. You got to send it in every week, every day would even be ideal too. 
But uh, I don't want to push people. But every week, if you want vaccine product liability, you have to send that bill in to your member of Congress every week. It's got to go to the Trump campaign. It's got to go to the Robert Francis Kennedy campaign because he's already in favor of it. He just doesn't, you know, he knows about the bill, what he does. Like, I got people, friends of his. Uh, Judy Mikovits is a friend of his. And he wrote the forward to her book. So she's trying to get him the bill. But again, he's running for president. He's busy. So millions of you need to send that bill to Robert Francis Kennedy and say, put this in your campaign. You need to send it to Donald Trump. Put this in your campaign. Donald Trump's a little touchier because, you know, he, uh, he, he thinks he did uh, a pretty decent job, you know, with warp speed and the ventilators and some of that other stuff. And I don't think he realized. I didn't realize at the time how deadly those ventilators were because nobody did. I just knew that early treatment worked and there's no reason to go to the hospital. That's what we were saying. Uh, I didn't trust any kind of injection. You know, so the COVID shot, I never trusted that. I wouldn't take it anyway because I've had open heart surgery. Why, why you know, uh, I, I would, the, the biggest side effect of that is myocarditis. And that's the one thing, you know, I had heart surgery to prevent because I had a valve that wasn't working properly. So there's no way I was ever going to take that, that jab ever. You know, and in fact, I probably would have gotten a medical exemption from anywhere simply because of the surgery I had. If not, I still would have taken it. Well, you're going to lose your job. Okay, fine. Then I'll sue you. And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll settle up later. All these things are going to have to get to court. Uh, and that's what court's for. Uh, what court is not for is making law. And we'll talk about that in the second hour, but the court is, is no business making laws. And that's the fundamental disagreement I have with Rob Boston of the Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. I think I heard something. Someone driving by with a boombox? <laughs> I don't think they had those anymore. You, you, you get the, we used to get that in San Francisco all the time. Kids would drive by with, uh, you know, their their bass speakers at uh, 200 decibels, and of course they had no hearing left and no bone structure, and oh, it's okay, it's, you know, it's a, life's a choice. Um, but I thought I heard some drive by that was kind of loud. Well, we'll see. Anyway, totally lost my train of thought, um, but uh, I do really lose my train of thought. I'll get back on track here. But there's there's uh, some. I don't know where where can I start? Oh, I got that. I got that. I got that. Um, Mike Lindell. Let's get back to that. There is a uh, what I should call them the complaining class. Because that's all they want to do. They're the, the complainers. You know, they're professional complainers. They're really good at it, too. You know, so Mike Lindell has this event, and he's, oh, yeah, so back to Emma Robinson and, and stuff. So, like I said, she's good, but, you know, and I don't know if she suggested to Mike Lindell that I'd be there or not. Probably not. Uh, I don't know how much impact she has with him anyway, um, just because she works for him. <laughs> you know, but it'd be nice if she and a bunch of other folks, hey, Marco, Marco just checked in from the Netherlands. You know, it'd be nice if Emerald Robinson, who, like I say, having been on her show, would say to Mike Lindell, oh, by the way, Mike, <laughs> you know, all the solutions you're looking for have already been written. You know, they're at Action Radio, uh, at writeyourlaws.com. We've got our, uh, I'm still having problems with writeyourlaws.com. Sometimes it works on Facebook. Sometimes they direct you to Amazon instead of my website. So there's some hacking going on. There's, there's a lot of people that really don't want you to know about what we're doing. And, and this, what is it with Mike Lindell? You know, is he afraid I'm going to put him out of the complaining business? What are they afraid of? You know, a lot of conventions, Chris Clark, is it, who did that Reawakening America tour? He won't even talk to me. Yeah, it's like these people, they don't want solutions. And it's interesting. I have a friend of mine, I'll, I'll mention her name later, uh, is going to come on and talk about this. I don't like to talk about people until I kind of clear it with them first. But we're already talking about doing a show, you know, complainers, <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole complaining class, you know, and that's, that's all they want to do. You know, and uh, Mike Lindell's got this, uh, you know, and he says, well, we've got to have election integrity. Well, we wrote a bill, Diane Warner and I wrote a bill. Actually, she wrote most of it um, last year. Well, earlier this year, you know, and so we, we already have the solution. We know exactly 
how to have election integrity. We wrote a bill for Florida that has paper ballots, uh, that has small precincts, that has precinct counting, that has bonded counters, that has videotape counting, and that has registrations, voter registrations expire every year, like your driver's license, <laughs> you know, like your driving registration. Uh, what's the problem? You know, we spend more time verifying our car registrations than we do our voter registrations. Well, that's wrong. You know, cars don't vote. <laughs> People do, right? So that we've already got the solution to that. All the things he's talking about, we've already written in a bill and have had it out for, what, seven or eight months now. Um, so that's just kind of that's, – that's a total waste. He complains about uh, the vaccines. Well, we've got the vaccine product liability bill. That's been out over two years. You know, big tech, oh, he's being censored all the time. You know, uh, everybody's trying to censor, you know, my pillow. Okay, big Mike, we've got, you know, our product, our uh, big tech uh, censorship, anti-censorship bill. We've had that over two years. So where are y'all? You know, what y'all doing out there? So all these folks that are, that are complaining, and they have the biggest name complainers. Like it's really, you know, Tina Peters and, you know, some of these other folks that are, that are and Tina's doing wonderful work. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about her. But what I'm saying is the solutions are here. They've been here for years, you know, and the fact that these people who know about the, I know they know about them because they've, they've gotten my press releases. They've gotten my multitude of emails. They, uh, uh, the minions know about it. The, I'm sure the people at some point know about it. You know, how could they not know at this point? Well, they just don't want to know. And so for those of us that are actually doing something, you know, it's a very different world uh, than those that are complaining, except the complainers have all the money. <laughs> you know, how do they get all the money, you know, with this vested interest in complaining? And that's what it seems to be. So, so they're, uh, it's like cops that, that don't like people owning guns because they figure it'll, uh, you know, impinge on the job security. Because if people start shooting calls for their homes, then the police won't have to, you know, be police. Well, it's a bunch of nonsense. You're supposed to, as a law enforcement officer, you want to work yourself out of a job. Say, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> you know, everything's being taken care of. People are defending themselves. You know, the criminals are uh, scared to death. Yeah, life's good. Okay, I'm just sitting here uh, writing parking tickets. I'm happy. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? But, you know, it doesn't quite work out that way. So uh, so the, uh, there's a certain job security uh, in, uh, in complaining as opposed to solving. And I wonder if Congress has that same problem. You know, of course, Congress is obsessed with borrowing money. And, uh, you know, and there's this guy, I forgot what his name is. He's running as well. If we can get Congress to cut their budget by 2% every year, dude, they increase their budget by about 10% every year. <laughs> You're not getting them to cut anything. You have to force them. And the way that you force them is our constitutional amendment um, that says that uh, you can't borrow any more, any more money. Okay? That's how you force them. That would, that would, you know, you want to talk about fiscal discipline? Yeah, you can't borrow any more money. Borrowing money would be illegal. That's it. You can't do it. Uh, no exceptions, nothing, no exceptions for war or national emergency or pandemics. No. If you've got a problem, deal with it uh, by taking money from somewhere else. Okay? That's what everybody else does. That's what the states do. States do it just fine. You know, so take money from somewhere else. Uh, but that's what's going on. So I'm, I'm a little uh, frustrated right now, a little upset, uh, and a little kind of insulted, actually, that uh, the work we've done here, or the work I've done since 2014, uh, to create a situation where anybody can call in from anywhere in the world, literally, uh, and work on a bill for any country in the world. You know, this is this is groundbreaking stuff we do we do here. We've got an Australian bill of individual rights. You know, we I, I've got uh, a reporter friend in Canada. We've got a reporter friend in Israel. We've got uh, you know, I got from New Zealand. We've got people all over the world. You know, that we can reach out to. We've got Marco in the Netherlands who's listening right now, typing in on live chat. We've got an incredible network here of people. 
you know, that we can work with and legislate with and, and do things with. But we need you folks to share the show. Now, again, something happened yesterday uh, where our, our Apple podcast just took off. So I'm, cur- I'm curious to see if they're going to happen uh, uh, as well. Yeah, Margo gives me the thumbs up uh, as well uh, today, too. So uh, we just need to break through that censorship. You know, once we start breaking through, it's going to be, you know, as they say, Katie bar the door. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and all of a sudden people will realize that, uh, you know, nothing succeeds like success. That's the old expression. So once we start getting known and people start sending bills in, then, of course, other people will know about us. What's, what's going on? I'm sending a bill in. What do you mean you're sending a bill? Yeah, yeah, this is from, from regular people who wrote this bill. We're sending it to Congress. You're doing what? Yeah, it's great. Well, well what, what, what else do they got? Well, you can write your own bill. You can do what? Yeah, you can write your own bill. You know, I mean, this is, that's the conversation that's going to happen across the world. It is. Of course, I'm curious about the Muslim world. <laughs> and again, I don't want to get anybody killed for, for defying their government, although uh, sometimes that, that, that happens. Um, it just happened with a 75-year-old who went about defying the government the wrong way. He openly threatened with guns, said, I'll get my sniper rifle out and all that kind of thing. Don't be an idiot. Now, Jonathan made a really interesting point yesterday that threatening a public official should not be illegal. You know, attacking and actually doing something against a public official, that would include anybody. You know, if you're, if you're committing violence against anybody, then that's against the law, right? But if you just threaten a public fish, official like uh, Madonna did, when she says, I have thought a lot about blowing up the White House, that was Madonna. You know, okay, what well, she thought about it. Is that a crime to think about it? No. Now that I, now that I think about it, you know, and because uh, I've talked about the law many times, you cannot threaten a public official. I'm thinking to myself, well, why not? <laughs> you know, as long as you're you know, as long as you're just saying, you know, yeah, you're such an evil politician, uh, you know, you'd be better off dead. We'd be better off if you were dead. Can you say that in a free speech? Yeah. Now, can you kill them? No. <laughs> You know, can you can you attack them, you know, with weapons or bare hands? No, you can't do any of that stuff. But can you say it and think it? Sure. So it becomes an interesting fine line between uh, what you say and what you do. Same thing with guns. You know, can you put 50 AK-47s on your wall and call it art? Some might say, well, that's an arsenal. You've got an arsenal on your wall. Well, it's none of your reffing business. (laughs) You know, I like 50 AK-47s on my wall. By the way, I don't have 50 AK-47s on my wall. But if I did, I'd tell you because it's kind of cool. I wish I could afford 50 AK-47s. I'd put them on my wall. You know, pick one. <laughs> Which one will I shoot today? You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's kind of an amusing thought. But that's perfectly legal in a free country. See, in a non-free country, the, the neighbors would look through the window and see your 50 AK-47s on the wall. And, go, and they'd report you to the Gestapo, uh, KGB, uh, you know, FBI, and say, oh, my neighbor has an arsenal. I feel threatened. Why do you feel threatened? What, 50 AK-47s on the wall? Has a neighbor ever threatened you? You know, <laughs> this person that probably, uh, you know, parks too close to you or lets their dog, you know, dump on your lawn or things like that. But, uh, yeah, liberals are an interesting breed. So so what the, so at what point does something and this is a question we haven't really talked about on the show, but it's a good it's a good thing to think about. What when does the threat actually become a threat? You know, uh, where does the threat become, uh, you know, an attack? You know, if you say I could just kill, you know, politician X. OK, that's nice. Uh, you haven't committed a crime yet. You know, if you say I'm going to kill politician X, you know, at this time, um, that's still a threat. But have you broken the law yet? Hmm, hard to say. Now, if you show up at that location and you've already stated what you're going to do, oh, yeah, now you're in trouble. You know, so it's the actions that count. You know, we have the absolute right to keep and bear arms anywhere. 
I mean, that's what the Second Amendment says. There's no restriction on where you can carry guns and what kind of uh, swords and knives and what and uh, you know and where where you can carry them and what you can carry. There's no restriction on that at all. Federal law prohibits the Constitution prohibits the government from limiting any arms that you want to carry. If you could put a battleship on your shoulders, that would be fair game because <laughs> some people actually own battleships, you know, in the War of 1812, and they're privately owned. And the, you know, the Second Amendment. <laughs> Yeah, I can keep and bear arms. Using them is a completely different question. Okay, so you can own them and you can carry them anywhere. You can own anything and carry them anywhere. But the minute you start using, okay, now you're under statutory law. Is your use legal or illegal? Same thing with speech. You have the absolute right to say anything you want. The government cannot limit your ability to to speak. And that's how they stopped you from preempting. That's how they stopped preempting you. Now, of course, as everything's changed with censorship, you know, from from the government of social media. But the law, the Constitution says you cannot, uh, government cannot limit uh, you in any way. You have the absolute right of free speech. Well, then uh, what about libel and slander? Well, that's once you've spoken. Okay, so once you've spoken, that's a different thing. Same thing, it's like uh, the old expression, well, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Why not? What if there's a fire? (laughs) You know, that's the obvious answer. Oh, well, I guess you can yell fire in a crowded theater. So the answer is, can you yell fire in a crowded theater? You know, do you have the right? To yell fire in a crowded theater. Absolutely. Okay, but if you do yell fire in a crowded theater, are there, are there consequences? Absolutely. Okay. You know, there, there are consequences if there's no fire and somebody gets killed, you're liable. Okay. If there is a fire and you save lives, you're a hero. Same thing. Yelling fire in a crowded theater, two totally different outcomes based on actions. That's the difference. All right, let's take a quick break here. Uh, let me play you my, my information. And we'll come back with some uh, rather interesting articles. And then around 15 minutes past the second hour, I'm going to play you this fascinating interview with Rob Boston on the uh, separation uh, of church and state, something that does not exist in any of our founding documents. Um, It just was talked about in letters. But again, to me, the separation, and I got this from listening to the interview when I I cut out all the commercials, um, is that the real separation, when they talk about separation of church and state, it's the separation of you from your God-given rights by the state. So the state says, no God, no God involved in government. So in other words, no God-given rights involved in government. That's what they're really saying. Marcus has got a comment. He says, wasn't someone arrested at an, in an airport for singing along with a torn, oh, I guess it's an oh, Tom Jones song, uh, playing on his headphones? Uh, something bomb, something bomb, you're my something bomb. Yeah, uh, that, that sounds like a, a, an interesting rap song. So in other words, if you're playing rap with the N-word, you, are you making a threat to black people as you, as you walk down the airport if you sing the song? <laughs> Especially if you're a white guy. Uh, good question. I don't know. Uh, I, someone might have been arrested. Uh, Marco, maybe just look it up real quick. I mean, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I would not say bomb at an airport. And if you have a friend named Jack, you know, say hello, Jack. Don't say hi, Jack. Okay? I mean, it's just things to think about. What I'm talking about is because you're not on live chat. Tom Jones is as white as it gets. Yeah. Actually, Tom Jones, I forgot where he's from. He's, uh, his name wasn't Tom Jones. It was, you know, it, it was somebody like, you know, I don't know, something Finkelstein. <laughs> He's not, he's not like Engelbert Humperdinck, but that is his real name because nobody would make that one up, right? But uh, Tom Jones has some – he's Welsh, actually. So, yeah, he's a white guy. I think, I think he's Welsh. Um, so uh, we go look up Tom Jones' real name. It's some, some like – you know, something that you can't pronounce. Uh, oh, there's YouTube. <laughs> Let me copy the YouTube and watch it later. Uh, Marco knows I can't watch YouTube during the show because I'm busy doing stuff. And if I watch the YouTube and, and forget to watch my time clock, I'll be watching the YouTube and forget that the show's going on. So there are reasons I don't watch YouTubes during the show, but I certainly keep them and, and catch up with them later. So let me post that. I'm going to post, put it there. I didn't put it in my Facebook Twitter things. I have a lot of Facebook Twitter stuff. 
I just I just had enough to do today, so I'm not going to worry about it too much. Again, tomorrow's show starts at 10 a.m. Central. We're starting late tomorrow, um, so be aware of that. So if you don't hear me, it's not that we're not broadcasting. We're just broadcasting later. All right. It's now 7.27, which was a great plane, by the way. The last great airplanes were the 727, the 707, the 747. After that, they all got boring. Same big fan jet, same two engines. Boring, 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 boring. So I'm going to get myself a, a modified uh, military trainer fighter kind of jet thing, and we'll see what happens. All right, back in a bit. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Oh, got caught playing around with uh, my headphones here. Let <laughs> me play the next one here. I'll be uh, right back. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Da, 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 da. Ah, here we go. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news! 
every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. cool <laughs> we have so much fun around here all right let me um, pull up some uh is this my articles are no that's a different one that's a james o'keefe thing i'm trying to reach james o'keefe i want to get him on the show and and see i've always wanted to get him on the show actually because what i want to do is is kind of work together uh in a way that they do the investigations and then we do the corrective legislation and because they're bigger <laughs> they got more money a lot more money uh, and hopefully they can uh take the bills that we write and then include that as part of their, you know, their end of investigation report. Here's what you do about it. So it's one thing, uh, journalism is great for reporting things, but then they don't do anything. And the whole, what makes action radio so different and what makes our entire, you know, version of, of uh, media different is that not only do we tell you stuff, but we want to do something about it. And that's the whole, uh, the whole case right there. All right. Got some interesting articles. Let me start with this one here. This one, Alex Berenson is a very interesting author. He's the, I think New York times, Fired reporter. Uh, he's got Substack, and I, I owe everybody a Substack. I'm way behind on my Substacks. I've been busy, just a lot of administrative stuff I have to do. I want to write more because I really enjoy writing, and so uh, almost as much as I like talking. Uh, writing is a lot of fun, though. So I have a good time with that. Okay, here we go. Messages coming, and the messages never stop. They're coming during the show, and it's like you know, working on a producer. Got 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 something in the works, so hopefully that'll that'll make a big difference. All right, Alex Branson, July 31st, the first. Freedom. He says, without free speech, we don't have freedom to think, much less a functioning democracy. Franklin Delano Roosevelt understood this truth. Why don't modern Democrats? Well, first of all, anytime I hear the word democracy, I know that you don't know the Constitution because we are not a democracy. You know, someone, who was it? Someone said yesterday, and this was hysterical. I almost dropped whatever I was carrying, that uh, a republic is, is uh, the best form of democracy. <laughs> that's like saying freedom is the best form of communism <laughs> they got nothing to do with each other a democracy and a republic are totally different forms of government so to say a republic is the best form of democracy was just screamingly funny uh, and I don't know where I heard it it just it just is one of those things that stuck in my mind and let's get back to Alex Berenson in Substack his own uh, Substack called unreported truths from July 31st, um, so this is just a little bit ago. He says, 82 years ago, Franklin Delano Roosevelt needed to rouse the United States to fight for freedom. In other words, World War II, right? Hitler had spread his tentacles across Europe. Japan was waging a vicious war in China. But after the brutality of the First World War, many Americans remained suspicious of the necessity of American involvement in another overseas conflict. Well, I'll tell you quite frankly, there was no need for World War I. Uh, by the time World War II came along, you know, it's almost like because we caused World War I to have winners instead of everybody just dying and going home, we were kind of responsible for World War II in many ways. People don't realize that. That um, had the, and this is something I'd be curious about what, what Marco thinks with his view of history from European perspective. So the Europeans backed into World War I. They, they, uh, they're all for it. 
You know, everybody thought it'd be over by Christmas. You know, we're going to have a glorious time. This is before movies and TV, right? So, so they were still able to fight wars, you know, by, uh, by poetry and, uh, you know, exciting uh, stories and things like that of, of the survivors came back. Oh, it was glorious. It was wonderful. It was great. Did you get hurt? No. Okay, well, you're one of very few, so you got lucky. But uh, let's hear from the people that were injured and killed. Well, <laughs> you can't hear from the ones that are killed. But all the ones that are injured and crippled? You know, did you have a grand and glorious experience? Well, not really. You know, poison gas, you know, running into machine gun fire and, and, uh, and barbed wire. Not a smart thing. You know, with a bayonet? Oh, please. Uh, so World War I made no sense whatsoever. World War I, if you really want to understand, you know, modern history, you've got to study World War I because it was insane. You had these, these class uh, warfare. You had these aristocrat generals ordering the masses who they never associated with. Um, into battle by, and they, they, they consider these people subhuman. They had to. How else can you send a million people, you know, at, at uh, tens of thousands per day, you know, running into barbed wire and machine guns and think it's a good thing to do the following day? I mean, that's insane. That's irrational. That, that, that's, there's no humanity in you if you, do, if you can do that. And the European generals were like that. Now, we'll say to our credit, our own General Pershing was not like that. Blackjack Pershing, you know, cut his teeth on, uh, on Pancho Villa, you know, chasing him back into Mexico. Uh, and so General Pershing was the one who insisted that uh, American officers, American officers uh, be in charge of American soldiers because the British wanted the uh, Americans to be under British officer control. Great. So then they would send our soldiers, you know, with bayonets running into machine guns and getting uh, killed by uh, machine gun fire, uh, and, you know, in, or into barbed wire, excuse me. Uh, and, you know, so Pershing said, now. American soldiers are going to be under American officers. That's just that's the way it goes. But the, the fact that we're in the war at all, you know, Woodrow Wilson, the Democrat, make the world safe for democracy, which is kind of unusual for a government that's a republic, but we'll hold that for another time. Anyway, so it, it was fascinating that this, this trench warfare, this idea that, uh, you know, men would live in disgusting conditions and then they would run out into um, barbed wire and machine gun fire and get killed and artillery and everything else. Then they run back to their trenches and do it the next day. That's irrational behavior to me. That's, that's, that's mindless death. There's no reason for it at all. And yet that's World War I. It went on for four years. You know, and if the governments are that stupid to kill an entire generation of young men uh, in trenches with artillery, machine gun fire, and barbed wire, you know, then uh, I don't know what to say because it's just, uh, you know, this is just, you know, Britain and France should have called Germany and said, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. Can we stop? You know, uh, but they wanted to win. Okay, so this ridiculous idea of winning, we have to win. This is what's keeping Ukraine going for so long. You know, and, and that ridiculous, who was that, uh, that woman that was uh, interviewing Trump for that town hall? The CNN twiddly. Well, don't you believe in winning in Ukraine? And he says, no, I want to stop the dying. And he's absolutely right. That's what Trump said. There, there's no winning in Ukraine. Okay, you don't, most wars are not won. They're just stopped. That's kind of how it works. World War II, did we win? Yes. I mean, uh, we got unconditional surrender from Japan. Uh, Hitler killed himself. I mean, I guess that was a surrender. But basically, the Russians were the ones that did most of the fighting in Europe. Don't kid yourself. Russians had uh, 20 times more people than soldiers in World War One than anybody, World War Two than anybody else. Uh, they just did because they had a big country, right? And they had everybody involved. Um, it, it's a fascinating thing. So understanding World War One, and had we not, you know, entered into it, and well, I'll get Marco's opinion. Well, what's the European view of World War One? So if the United States hadn't come in. And Britain, France, and Germany had basically killed themselves, run out of young men to kill, and then stop the war. Would there have been a World War II? And my contention is probably not. I mean, you don't know for sure. You never know. But I would say probably not. Um, you know, the, the, you had the Spanish Civil War and some other things going on. But you might have had regional conflicts. And Hitler certainly could have risen to power. But would he have the power 
um, to mobilize his entire nation uh, and attack all of Europe and Russia and, uh, and everything else that happened? Don't know. Interesting question. Or maybe he would have just looked, been looked upon as an idiot and not got any political power, which is probably what uh, should have happened. All right. So back to the article here, the, the Alex Berenson unreported truths, first freedom, first freedom is free speech, right? Then he says, so, the first, you know, so in the first State of the Union address of his third term on January 6, 1941, so this is what? This is uh, 11 months before Pearl Harbor. January 6, 1941, FDR told them, them being uh, those that were there at his State of the Union address, in simple and ringing words, why the coming war mattered. Or matted, war matted. He says matted, M-A-T-T-E-D. Probably supposed to say mattered. I think that's a misprint. He's, Roosevelt says, we look forward to a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. So whenever I hear human, human rights, human freedoms, I know that means group. That means national. That means world government. That's just code for world government. He says, uh, he says the second freedom, he says the second one, you know, he says the second freedom was religious, the freedom of every person to worship God in his own way. The third freedom was freedom from want. <laughs> that means the government's going to give you everything. That's not a freedom. The fourth was freedom from fear. Well, you can't do that either, government. But, and this is by which Roosevelt essentially meant post-war worldwide disarmament. Yeah, that's not going to happen either. <laughs> it didn't. Uh, then Branson says, but the first, the most important, the basic right was freedom of speech and expression anywhere in the, everywhere in the world. Hmm. Good luck with that in Iran or China. Uh, and then he says, the First Amendment, the first freedom, notice the trend. And he goes on scroll, so basically advertising. And he says, we say freedom of speech. That's really not what it is. It's freedom of thought. And I agree with him there. He's absolutely right. The speech is just the message. But the real freedom is freedom of thought. And so what these uh, Marxists are trying to do is oppress your freedom of thought. They don't want you thinking uh, other than how they tell you to think. You know, that's why they send you to indoctrination centers called public schools. That's why they have gulags. That's why they have re-education camps. It's really about teaching. The whole 1984 was about teaching you to think. That's why they changed the words. They changed the politics. They changed the perception. You know, there's such a thing as trans when we know it's people who are just getting elective surgery, you know, or their kids being mutilated. You know, you can't do that to kids. Um, but uh, adults, if they want to uh, get elective surgery, grab, but I don't care. But you're not a civil rights group. You're just an individual who got elective surgery and drugs. Okay, fine. So that's not a political movement. But see, they want to change your thought. You know, the, the term gay marriage. Uh, there is no such thing. There is marriage between a man and a woman sanctioned by God, licensed by the state. And there are unions of different people of same sex, you know, multiple, whatever, polyamorous, you know. And you can call it whatever you want, but you can't call it a marriage because a marriage has a definition already. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. So there are certain things. So that's, that's, that's where freedom of thought comes in. You know, when we discuss, uh, when you hear my WEBY classic from 2017, and we talk about judicial review, and he says, uh, Rob Boston says, well, the Supreme Court, uh, you know, can, uh, you know, interpret the Constitution, and, and, then, and then there's a check and balance. You know, the, the people can always have a constitutional amendment. See, there's some ridiculous idea out there, and this is really stupid. I don't know where this came from, that the only way to overturn a Supreme Court decision is with a constitutional amendment? That's a bunch of nonsense. So five people on the Supreme Court all right, have more power, you know, than the entire Congress and three quarters of the states. That's insane. <laughs> that's not true. That's not even true. That's the funny part, you know. So the way you overturn a, an act of the Supreme Court is the same way the Supreme Court overturns an act of Congress. You take a vote. If the Supreme Court can overturn an act of Congress with a vote, then Congress can overturn a case of uh, an opinion of the Supreme Court with a vote also. 
That's what they mean by co-equal branches of government. They have the same power. A president can veto a bill from Congress, and the Congress can override that veto with a higher vote. Okay? The Supreme Court you know, can overturn, well, they can't actually overturn this judicial review. They can issue an opinion saying that a, a law of Congress is unconstitutional, but Article 3, perfectly capable of doing that. And they can use that opinion to solve a case between parties, absolutely valid power. But what they can't do is, is say that this is the law of the land and everybody has to abide by it because they can't do that. The Supreme Court can't make law. So all the, all the Congress has to do is, is uh, change the power of the Supreme Court, limit the power, say they have no jurisdiction in this case, or take their opinion and go, okay, that's great. We're going to change the law you know, uh, and modify it so it, it kind of fits the opinion or not. <laughs> you know, and this is where it gets interesting. All right? But these are, all, these are all situations of freedom of thought. And so you're going to hear some interesting disagreements uh, in the next uh, article. Then he says, this is Berenson, he says, people who can't say openly what they think for too long are forced into a shadow world. Yeah, I, I, it's not that I'm in a shadow world. The shadow world is forcing itself on me because of the censorship we're under. He says either they give up the right to have their own view of the world and accept into what society or government uh, tells them, that's not us, <laughs> or they keep their own views but no longer admit them aloud and spend more time, more and more time and energy gaslighting themselves. Uh, that's not us either. <laughs> we're speaking our truth and we don't care. Hear that FBI KGB? So I'm just going to keep speaking my truth. You know, you're not going to, you know, you can kill me, but you can't stop me from speaking. And besides, my ideas and thoughts are already out there. All right. He says, note that I'm not using the words truth or lie in this analysis. Well, that's interesting. He says that omission is deliberate. Berenson says it doesn't actually matter whether the speech is right or wrong, objectively true or false. Indeed, the First Amendment makes no reference to the truth or falsity of the speech it protects. Yeah, all speech is protected, by the way. Lies are protected. Well, what do you do about lies, Greg? Well, you, you correct them with truth, okay? But you can't stop people because who defines what a lie is? If the, if the government defines what a lie is, they would define as a lie or misinformation anything they disagree with, even if it's true. The government said that hydroxychloroquine early treatments were misinformation, and yet the people who survived COVID because of early treatments with hydroxychloroquine would beg to differ. So there's empirical evidence that hundreds of thousands, of, if, if not millions of people, especially worldwide, uh, were safe from COVID, by hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, vitamin D3, and vitamin C. And yet every government said that that's a lie. That's misinformation. And, and they said, well, the First Amendment doesn't protect lies or misinformation. Yes, it does. Because what, what the government considers misinformation might be truth, and what the government you know, passes off as truth is, could easily be misinformation. So you can't be the arbiter of truth. There is no arbiter of truth. There is just the marketplace of ideas. And so the expression of ideas, the free expression of ideas is critical. And, and lies are just as protected as truth. The difference is we can dispute the lies. And people dispute the truth, too. That's okay. How do you, how do you counter free speech? With more free speech. Until eventually the, the free speech that's right hopefully wins, you know, and persuades the other folks that they're a bunch of idiots. Like those who believe the government, uh, you know, has a, a safe and effective vaccine. Well, the death statistics kind of disprove that, and yet they would tell you, if you say anything against the, the vaccine, which isn't even a vaccine, that you're spreading misinformation when you're really spreading truth. So that's just why the First Amendment protects all speech, okay, because nobody has a monopoly on truth, especially not the government. And so the government's job is to make sure that all speech is protected, whether they agree with it or not. That's not the point. Let's go back to Berenson. He says, plenty of people have strange ideas. Oh, that would include me. <laughs> he says, if I think aliens are real but can't say so, I have lost some essential part of myself. Okay, aliens are real. I'm telling you right now. There's no chance 
that, uh, or minuscule chance that this Earth by this sun is the only life-sustaining planet by the only star like ours, because there are billions of them, you know, that, that, that makes absolutely no sense. All right. Article says in 1984, Orwell famously wrote that the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final most essential man, the party. In other words, the party uh, that tells you how to think. All right. So not, 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 you know, a social party. We're talking about a political party. The political party told you to reject the evidence. In other words, don't believe your eyes and ears. Believe what we tell you. Well, our government's saying the same thing. Don't believe that the economy is bad. We told you it's good. What's wrong with you? How can you say that the, you know you, you should be out spending money because the economy's great, everything's fine, Bidenomics, which to me means poverty. <laughs> you know you want to substitute Bidenomics for you substitute for poverty because that's what it is. Then he says, Ben Berenson says, but going uh, that far isn't necessary, and in fact, it may be a waste of the party's energy. The party doesn't have to care what you think, only what you say. Hmm, interesting. He says the Nazis lied as a matter of course, as a sport and a pastime. Well, much like our own government today. He says Roosevelt knew they lied. In the Four Freedom speech, he decried the secret spreading of poisonous propaganda by those who seek to destroy unity and promote discord in nations that are still at peace. Well, let me read that, read that again. Roosevelt says uh, in the Four Freedom speech, he decried the secret spreading of poisonous propaganda by those who seek to destroy unity and promote discord in nations that are still at peace. What do you mean still at peace? Obviously, they weren't going to be at peace for long, right? He says, but he understood that even faced with the lies of a regime bent on mass death, the United States could not waver in its commitment to freedom of speech. Yeah. Now, you guys remember the article I wrote um, on uh, the, the cure for COVID was always freedom? So go to my Substack, gregpangolist.substack.com, and, and look up uh, – oh, let me, let me, actually, I can post it. Let me post it here. I'll put it on live chat for, for Marco. He's always posting things for me. Do, 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 do. Let me get my Substack, 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 graphing on Substack. Do, do, the cure for COVID is freedom. Yes, ooh, it's been a while since I wrote my last article, a couple of weeks. I got to write a new one. I should do one every week. Uh, here's one The government is never wrong. <laughs> that is the standard for compiling the information. Yeah, that'd be going to post too. So go to my Substack, graphicpanelist.substack.com. Let me see if I can find the one I'm looking for here. The government is always right. Do, 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 do. How technology feminizes men, replacing the Statue of Liberty, scapegoating the gun owner. Cure for COVID was, oh, that's what I wanted. Cure for COVID was always freedom. So go to gregpangloss.substack.com. And why was the cure for COVID always freedom? Well, because, you know, uh, freedom gave you freedom of information, freedom of speech. The freedom of speech to know that early treatments worked and the vaccine was a waste of time. Yeah, we all knew that. We all knew that back in uh, uh, early 2020. We knew that uh, you can't make a vaccine in nine months. I mean, come on, that's insane. They're not even safe necessarily after 15 years. Why would you think they could make one in nine months? There's no logic to that. So, in other, so the biggest problem with freedom of speech is that people give up thinking. So freedom of speech implies freedom of thought, but you have to actually exercise your thinking. If you stop thinking, you know, you're not going to... Uh, have anything worth saying, you know, you're not going to be able to act. You're not going to, you know, thinking is everything. So you got to think for yourself and, and speak for yourself. Otherwise it doesn't work. So what I spoke was, was the truth that early treatments work, worked. How did I know? I talked to Dr. Zelenko. He cured a bunch of people. He says, hey, Greg, I got something to tell you. Okay. It was Jewish. I doesn't exactly speak like this is my, my Brooklyn rabbi, my Jewish rabbi voice, right? I think Jewish rabbis redundant, but you know what I mean? 
Uh, Greg, I told you that uh, this is a, this is what works. You know, we got uh, the uh, got hydroxychloroquine, we got the vitamin D, vitamin uh, C, we got uh, zinc, and we give that to the people. They're good. 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 They're They're easy to find. Go to uh, Action Radio. Uh, and on our broadcast page, look at the search window at the top, put in Action Radio, comma, Dr. Zelenko, and those interviews should uh, pop right up for you. But anyway, he had the cure. And, and, and you know, who are you going to believe? The government that, that never sees a patient or a doctor, you know, who has nothing to, to gain by, by lying, saying I, cu- I cured several thousand people and they're doing fine. I'm going to believe the doctor that cured several, several thousand people over the government that says, take this, remdesivir and ventilator. What? Are you kidding? No, I'm going to go with the doc. He seems, you know, he makes more sense. Besides, the government always has an agenda. <sighs> Let's see what else we got here. He says, FDR was a Democrat, of course. And for generations, Democrats saw themselves as the avatars of free speech. They actually did. Democrats are really good. Back when the ACLU, you know, talked about free speech, back when uh, the ACLU defended the Nazis, when they marched in Skokie, the American Nazi Party, marched. They were in brown shirts, just like the brown shirts of Germany, right? In the 30s, they marched in Skokie, Illinois, which is a Jewish suburb of Chicago. Talk about inflammatory. And who defended them? The ACLU. We had largely Jewish lawyers, liberal lawyers, on defending free speech. And as much as they were disgusted by the Nazis and hated them, and I'm sure had Holocaust survivors in their family, still believed that the principle of free speech is so important that you have to defend that right, even when the people are saying things that are absolutely disgusting. That's how important free speech is. Because if you limit the disgusting people, then you can limit the truth tellers. If you limit the Nazis from speaking, then you limit the Dr. Zelenkos from speaking. And then you have a government holocaust where a million people die uh, because they didn't get early treatments. And and they took a a deadly messenger RNA COVID shot instead. That's why freedom is so important. So when the government says, well, we have to take your rights, it's a pandemic. No, just the opposite. We have to exercise our rights in a pandemic. Oh, there's a war coming. Better take your rights away. No, we need to exercise our rights to see if we should be in the war in the first place. So freedom is always the most important thing in a crisis. Oh, we've got a hurricane. You know, we've got, uh, you know, the, the power lines are down. We have to take away your, your, we have to take away your guns. No, because <laughs> that's when the looters come out. You know, that's when who knows how much property is seized. That's when, when who knows what will happen. No. So freedom is always the answer. So there is never a situation. No matter how bad the pandemic, no matter how bad the, uh, the war, no matter how bad the, the national emergency, the crisis, the natural disaster, where freedom can ever be touched. And, it, you know, and, it's, a, and it, it's a good thing. It's not. It's simply not. Freedom is essential for solving every crisis. If we had freedom of information, you'd know that Ukraine was a crock. There's no reason for us to send money over there. If we had freedom of information, you'd know that Biden was not the president that he occupies the White House illegally, and everything he does is illegal. Every dollar he sends is illegally sent. Every soldier he sends is illegally sent. Every action, every executive order he does is illegally signed. There's free speech for you. What do you think of that, FBI, KGB? Ask me if I care. I don't. Like I said, they can hurt me, they can kill me, but they can't, they can't uh, stop me from speaking until then. And even then, it doesn't matter. Everything, everything's podcast. They'd have to erase everything I ever said, but too many people already know about it. And there's too many people who would jump right into this microphone. I know personally, I'm not going to say who. I know people who would hop right in and continue this show. The hell with the, the, the powers that be, because you've got to fight back against these people. You know, we've got a microphone. We're not afraid to use it. And the last thing uh, he says, uh, well, actually, no, he says a little bit more. It was more than the last thing. He says, in the 1988 presidential campaign, Democrat Michael Dukakis called himself a card-carrying member of the ACLU. That was actually a good thing back then. 
uh, the American Civil Liberties Union. You know, that's the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. George H.W. Bush, or as we call him, Bush the Elder, jumped on the line, repeating it over and over that he wasn't an ACLU member until the New York Times finally chided him. (laughs) So as the New York Times says, back when they were actually a good paper, does Mr. Bush liken membership in the ACLU to communism? On, On what basis does he find support for civil liberties guaranteed by the Constitution to be out of step with the interests of the people? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd be a member of the ACLU if they did what they used to. I used to be members of, of, of different groups. I think I was ACLU member at one point. Uh, also, Amnesty International, when they were doing their job. Now they've gone, you know, basically communists, and they're they're only fighting left for leftist causes. <sighs> Last little bit. He says, but Berenson says this never gets good. He says, but Democrats no longer believe in free speech. He says seventy percent now favor restricting quote false information online. It's not even clear the New York Times believes in the First Amendment anymore. He says, two weeks ago, it wrote in a news story that freedom of speech raises, quote, thorny questions. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what, what thorny questions could there be? It says, uh, including, is misinformation protected by the First Amendment? Of course, the answer is yes, because it depends on who's calling it misinformation. You know, that's like saying, is truth protected by the First Amendment? It can be labeled both truth and misinformation. Depends on who's saying them, right? So, uh, you know, are lies protected? Is truth protected? You can't protect truth without protecting lies because it depends on who's classifying truth and lies, right? Anyway, so, and then he says, when is it appropriate for the federal government to seek to, to tamp down the spread of, of falsehoods? Well, never. It's not their job. The job of government is not to, uh, now, if government wants to present information in the public interest, they can. They say, here's our information. But what they can't do is say that somebody else's information is a lie, don't look at it, and we're going to suppress it in the public interest. All right? Because in the public interest, they killed a million people. Whereas in the public interest, freedom would have saved those million people, or at least 90, 95% of them. Yeah, some people are always going to die of COVID. And I, I don't know where the difference lies, but uh, Dr. Zelenko and other doctors have told me 90, 95% of the people that died of COVID because they didn't get early treatments could have been saved. So you tell me what's in the public interest, lying to the public, waiting for a vaccine so certain people can get rich even though it's not a vaccine, denying early treatments and having a million people die, that's in the public interest rather than spreading the misinformation of cures that would have saved them? That's an interesting logic. So what the government is saying is we would rather kill a million people and retain the, the, the power to declare what is misinformation than to have open information out there and have those million people saved. That's your government. That's what they're saying. Their power over speech is more important than the lives of a million people. That's what they're saying. Let me say that again. Their power, the power of government is more important to government than the lives of a million people. And we know that because they killed a million people that could have gotten early treatments. Pretty simple stuff. So this idea that the government, people think, well, we need the government to protect us from false information. No, you don't. You don't need the government protecting you from any information. You make your own decisions. Take the evidence from government. Take the evidence from private sources. Take all the evidence and try and determine what's, uh, what's, what's honest and what's true and what's not. You've got your own judgment. That's why the good Lord gave you judgment. Time to start exercising it. So in my judgment, I believe that the government was full of, you know what, full of crap, that Fauci was an evil man, so I started calling him Dr. Fascist, that the so-called vaccine was never going to work as intended. Uh, It probably wasn't going to be safe or effective, and then, of course, it proved not to be. That early treatments worked because I know the people that have cured people with early treatments. So I wasn't basing it on a guess. I wasn't saying, gee, I think early treatments work because it sounds like a good idea. No, 
I talked to people that cured people, got evidence. So when I said early treatments work, I had proof because there are a whole lot of people alive that say, hey, you know what? I got an early treatment. Here I am. Okay. So if you take all the people that were saved with early treatments that are alive, okay, and then you take all the people that can't tell you what happened because they're dead because they were on remdesivir and ventilators. They were killed by their hospitals. Okay, so there's your evidence. So there's proof that free speech is valuable. Because if we, did, if we had free speech, then I would say that 90 to 95% of the people that were killed by their hospitals would still be alive. So that's what happens when you let the government decide what is important speech and what isn't, what is true and what is not. If the government decides what is true speech, a million people die. If the people decide what is truth for them, early treatments work. Pretty simple. All right. Uh, I'm going to play my other interview here pretty soon. It's interesting. Uh, he says, let me just get this last little bit. Let me just start again. This, this, I'll just read this last paragraph because it's pretty important. He says, but Democrats no longer believe in free speech. 70% now favor restricting false information, that's in quotes, online. It's not even clear the New York Times believes in the First Amendment anymore. Two weeks ago, it wrote in a news story that freedom of speech raises thorny questions, including, is misinformation protected by the First Amendment? When is it appropriate for the federal government to seek to tamp down the spread of falsehoods? The answer is, as I wrote after that piece ran, are yes and never. Okay. He says, in 2020, and particularly 2021, I took generally unpopular stances on COVID and the messenger RNA shots, positions that ran contrary to federal policies. Yeah, I guess what I, that's when he got fired from the New York Times, right? He says, I believe the last two years have vindicated my positions completely. Yeah, mine too. But the truth, uh, the truth is, doesn't matter if I was wrong or right. What matters is that as an American, I had the right to say what I wanted without fear of government interference. Yep, absolutely right. He says, the Trump administration, as far as I know, respected that right. The Biden, and I'll say this, my word, insurrection, the illegal Brandon government did not. Isn't that surprising? An illegal government doesn't respect the Constitution or our right of free speech. What a freaking surprise that is, that the illegal government, you know, commits crimes on a daily basis against us. Oh, yeah. He's the Trump administration, as far as I know, yeah, I'm repeating, respected that right. The Biden insurrection did not. Neither did Pfizer, but that's another story. Yeah, we'll talk about them sometime, but we have. He says, two years ago yesterday, Twitter gave me my fourth strike, its final warning before my eventual ban. He says, it did so for this tweet. So here's the tweet that got Alex Berenson banned from Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter. X, Elon Musk, you're an idiot. Why did you take Twitter, which is a cute little birdie, even though they're a communist uh, information suppression organ of the federal government and the world government. That's what Twitter is, okay? But they had this cute little birdie. I mean, Twitter, isn't that a nice thing? We're going to do a tweet. You know, we're not going to say we're spreading uh, government communist uh, information to suppress the masses. We're not, they don't say that. They say we're going to, spread, we're going to send a tweet. Okay? You've got to love the language. I mean, tweet. It's like something out of Mary Poppins. I, I imagine Julie Andrews with those little cartoon birds on her, you know, Tweet this and tweet this and Wilson's and tweets out, la, 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 these are a few of my favorite things. Yeah. When the bird tweets, <laughs> when the Twitter tweets. <laughs> I'm sorry. Marcus probably dying in the Netherlands right now. Alex Berenson's tweet that got him kicked off Twitter says the pivotal clinical trial for the <laughs> Pfizer uh, hashtag COVID vaccine shows it does nothing to reduce the overall risk of death. Zero. Hmm. Fifteen patients who received the vaccine died. 14 who received the placebo died. The end. 
The trial blind is broken now. This is all data. Uh, this is all the data we will ever have. And there we go. And that was from um, July 29th of 2021. Well, I said basically the same thing a year earlier. <laughs> you know, well, I didn't say a clinical trial. I said that this is a crock. You can't make a vaccine this fast. And besides, I said, besides, we have early treatments that work. Why would you work on a vaccine when you already have early treatments that work? That makes no sense. Especially in those early treatments, you know, COVID uh, hydroxychloroquine tablets are what, 20 cents? So you can get a week's worth of uh, um, hydroxychloroquine for a buck 40. So under $1.50 for, for a week-long, uh, you know, a pill a day of hydroxychloroquine. Even if you took two a day, that's still three bucks. <laughs> okay. So as opposed to a $3,200 remdesivir treatment that's going to kill you. Great. Yeah. <sighs> This is a good article. He says, the idea that I should not have been allowed to report accurately on the results of Pfizer's own clinical trial defies itself. See, tr- Pfizer didn't want the reports of their clinical trial because if the, if the reports came out before the uh, COVID jab mandates, there never would have been mandates, there never, never would have been a COVID jab. If people knew the results, if the results of their safety trials were published before the COVID shot came out, it never would have come out because nobody would have taken it. See, suppression of information. Government decides what's true. The government wanted you to take the COVID shot, whether it was safe or not. They didn't care. They don't care if they killed a couple million more people because they're making money off it and they're controlling people. So that's the misinformation. The misinformation is the government should control misinformation. That's the misinformation. Last paragraph. Berenson says, the idea that I should not have been, oh, you read that. He says, now, as many times, as many of you know, I have sued President, well, I can't say President Biden. I have sued Brandon and the other White House insurrectionists for their censorship. The wheels of justice grind slow, and the suit has been quiet for a bit, but it's about to pick up again. I'll have more to say about its specifics soon. Today, though, I just wanted to remind you of the stakes. Yeah, well, you know what? I got to write write him on this, because I have my own lawsuit that I have not been able to um, get going. I I can't comment it, right? You have to be paid to comment. You have to have a paid subscription to comment on that. Gee, that's too bad. Okay, uh, what is this short one I can do? I got about ten minutes left here. Let's see what else we got. Uh, to do, I got no. Marco doesn't have a comment. No one's calling in. Okay, fine. Not a problem. Let me see. I have another quick article for you here. I, I was going to do about five or six articles this hour. Obviously, I just did one. Kind of how it works. Um, but if you go to my Facebook pages, we got a practical case against censorship. We got COVID was uh, profitable for hospitals. Everybody knows that. Uh, coming split, you know, with the Republican Party. Sense of, yeah, I'm just going to play, because uh, I'll, 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 I'll say what happens at the end of my time. I'll have like 10 minutes left over. So, so yeah, a little bit less, seven or eight minutes before uh, Christy gets here. Um, all right, let's, let's take a look at, let me see if I've got here, where's my uh, article? So let me set this up for you. Actually, let, let, me, let me take a break now, and I'll come back. That'll sort of get us closer to the top of the hour, so this should work out better. Um, so it's now 8.05, 8.05, play a couple more commercials, scroll back to the top, and I'll come back with my W.E.B.Y. Um, interview. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, 
This is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.
All right, so we had a little uh, interlude there, and I have some more music. I, I'm going to add some uh, music to our, our, our selection here. So let me set this up. So back at WBY, uh, I had uh, a fabulous radio station. I had a boss. I had a, a producer. I had this room I got to broadcast in. You can see pic- pictures on my Facebook page. So I'm in the corner. And uh, vastly overweight, too. I've lost a ton of weight since then, but, which is a good thing. Heart surgery apparently causes massive weight gain. Um, anyway, so um, so that happened. Anyway, um, so there I am, and I had this big table. And we had, uh, I think, either two or three extra microphones. I think it was three extra microphones. So people would gather on the table. We had different conferences. We had a lot of in-studio guests. We had uh, uh, the steel... Uh, uh, Tempest, the, the robot kids were there, and we had the drone guy was uh, flying stuff all over the studio while I'm broadcasting. Right? He's got a drone right in front of my face. It was hysterical. So all this wonderful stuff went on. Anyway, so that lasted until the station was bought by another station, and we were all fired. <laughs> that happened uh, for me uh, Friday the 13th of July in 2018. So from March 1st, um, 2017, until July 13, 2018, I had my dream job. I had the best job uh, I've ever had uh, working for somebody else. It was fabulous. And I screwed up because I, I was new. It was the first, time, first full-time radio job. And, but we had, we had great college. We had a great audience. And then when they took me off the air, no, but there was no announcement, you know, nothing. I just wasn't there, right? So it's like I disappeared into the ether. Um, but in, in the time that I was there, I think we accomplished a lot. And fortunately, I have a podcast of my interviews. You know, not the regular show. The first two hours were always, um, you know, news, weather, sports, traditional, classic, boring AM drive time radio. Uh, but that was the deal, right? So I only got to do one hour of action radio. So the beauty of Blog Talk, now I do three hours of action radio. I do whatever I damn well please. And, but there were some amazing guests and great callers. We had some great regular callers. But I don't know who they are. I can't reach them. So, you know, the, hopefully they'll find us eventually when the show gets shared enough times. Anyway, so I had a guest. And the guest was Rob Boston of the Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. Obviously, a conflicting guest with, uh, with my views, and uh, especially on the Constitution and government and everything else. But he was an interesting person. He ar- articulated his arguments well. And we just disagreed, which is, you know, that's the way it works. But I always encourage different people to come uh, on the show uh, so that they could, could disagree. Anyway, so this broadcast was originally done uh, July 28th. Of 2017, so I had a full, I had a whole four months of radio experience. Right, I'd done a little bit of radio before. I had a part-time gig for about six weeks. Uh, I had another couple of things at different stations that did some college radio. So I really didn't have any any experience until I came here at WBY uh, in Milton, Florida, and then got this gig. And then of course it only lasted a year and four months. Uh, otherwise, I'd still be there, <laughs> you know, happily broadcasting with a massive national and probably worldwide show online. But uh, it didn't work out that way. You know, life is crazy. So any reference to a phone number other than 215-383-3832, which is our number, any reference to WEBY, any reference to the time, any reference to anything other than what you know to be true about our station here is just because this is from a different recording and it would just be too choppy if I took all that stuff out. Besides, I wanted to identify this WEBY. I'm proud of the work I did there. So let me play this interview with Rob Boston. And get it going here. It is now 8.14. So by the time this is done, we'll be just about ready for CJ and the Wellness Report. So I'll be back in a little bit. Enjoy uh, this presentation from July 28th of 2017. Oh, yeah. I've been excited about this show for, uh, well, since basically we booked it. 
Greg Penglis here on the Action Radio Hour 1330 WEBY. And so I have a guest to bring on uh, in just a little bit here. Um, but uh, this is going to be a great show. So uh, I want you to, to call in. Be courteous. Uh, we're going to have a lot of disagreement, and we're here to understand each other. This is the whole purpose uh, of being here, and this should be kind of fun. So let me introduce my guest at this time. He is the Director of Communications at Americans United for Separation of Church and State. He also serves as the editor of Church and State Magazine. He is the author of four books, including Close Encounters with the Religious Right, Why the Religious Right is Wrong about Separation of Church and State, and Taking Liberties, Why Religious Freedom Doesn't Give You the Right to Tell Other People What to Do. Please welcome our special guest, Mr. Rob Boston. That'll be a pretty cordial welcome for you. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing good, Greg. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, thanks for, for coming on the show, too, because a lot of people, you know, they only want to hear folks they agree with. And so it's really nice. Uh, on the, This is the second time I've had uh, someone that specifically does not. And so it's, this is going to be a very interesting experience. I want to know why you believe the way you believe. And so uh, if you can tell me a bit about your organization at first, we can kind of start there, and then we'll get into the cross issue, and then church and state. And we have a lot of things to cover in this hour. Sure, sure, I'd be happy to. Well, our organization is 70 years old. It's our 70th anniversary this year. We were founded primarily by leaders of the Protestant church, uh, churches back in 1947. Today we're probably a little more diverse. We're interfaith, interphilosophy, nonpartisan organization of people who believe that religious freedom is best protected when there's a strong separation of church and state. Now, I, I point that out because there are some organizations that approach the defense of separation of church and state from the perspective of hostility toward religion or atheism. Okay. And um, we're not one of those organizations. Now we you know, have members who are non-religious, I am sure. Uh, but we're not coming at this because we don't like religion or we want to reduce religion's power. We just believe that things work best when church and state uh, are separate. Hmm. Then why do you want to take the crosses down? Because I know your organization is involved in the uh, Pensacola uh, Beach Cross, and we have other organizations that are involved in taking down the Pensacola Bayview Cross. So this is an issue kind of near and dear to our hearts around here. Why, why do that if, 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 you know, if it's not a big deal, uh, religious freedom? Well, I, I would say that there are instances where crosses can be displayed on public property okay. if they are owned by private entities. Now, what we're concerned about strictly is government's ownership of any religious symbols, because we don't think the government should be in the business of promoting any religion, whether it's you know Christianity or Judaism or Islam or, or anything. That's not really their job. There was a case a couple of years ago. Actually, this was in the courts for like 20 years. Outside of San Diego, there's a 43-foot-tall cross on top of a mountain out there. And uh, this was it was suggested that this was a war memorial, but in fact the, the history of the cross shows that it had, been, it had been put up for Easter sunrise services. Mm-hmm. And the way they resolved that was they sold it. They sold the cross and the land underneath it to a private group, so it's still there, but it's no longer owned by the government. So that's really, I think, the way you can kind of resolve these issues is get the government out of it, get private religious groups in. Yeah, and actually that happened. I, I used to live in the San Francisco uh, area, and in San Francisco, the 103-foot uh, cross on Mount Davidson was done exactly the same way. Um, they, uh, the ACLU uh, tried to get that taken down, and it was purchased. It was put up. The land around it was put up for auction. It's in the middle of a city park, uh, purchased by the American Armenian Association, and now it's a uh, uh, it's an outdoor church, and and it's fine. And we're trying to do the same thing here uh, in Pensacola. But what I don't understand. 
um, is this whole idea that the government is promoting a religion by having by having a cross on on public land, and that that's you know, and that the, there's, there's this distinction between uh, crosses on public land and private land because no such thing exists in the Constitution. You don't find anywhere in the Constitution that it says you know promoting a religion or the freedom of religion in the First Amendment, the Establishment Clause, which we're going to get into, you know, makes any distinction at all. But you do, and I'm curious uh, about those those two things of you know the public private land and, and this government promoting idea. Where does all that come from? Right. Well, you know, as you probably know, the religion clauses of the First Amendment are uh-huh. only 16 words long, which right. is amazing to me. I mean, imagine politicians today trying to encapsulate the fundamental human right in 16 words. <laughs> no way. Right? Yeah. But they did that. Um, now, the, the beauty of that is that it's concise, but the drawback is it's a little vague. <laughs> So it has been left to the courts over many years to try to determine what exactly is the meaning of those 16 words. Uh, and, of course, we've had amendments to the Constitution since then, too, like the 14th Amendment that have impacted this. So uh, it, it, it's, it's been an interesting situation over the years because it's been left mainly to the Supreme Court and lower federal courts to kind of flesh out what that means. Now, we talk about public and private land. Mm-hmm. Uh, our view has always been that there are a lot of things that private religious groups can do in the, in the realm of religion that government cannot. A private religious school, for example, can compel students to say prayers and read the Bible every day, but a public school cannot. A private religious school can teach creationism. You know, public school can't. They can celebrate religious holidays. Public schools can't. So there's this there's difference. And I think the reason is because a public entity, first of all, all of our tax dollars are supporting that, and it's supposed to serve everybody. So if the government appears to have a favorite religion by erecting you know, a giant cross on top of a piece of government property, sends the message, this is our preferred religion, it's Christianity, and you, know, you ought to get with the program. We don't think that's an appropriate message for the government to send. Now, for a private group, yeah, sure, have at it. Yeah. See, this is where I disagree with you, uh, because saying that putting a cross up uh, is promoting a religion. And, and, you know, in, in what way are they doing it? Are they, are they requiring you to take some action? Are you required to, to you know, save three Hail Marys when you, you pass by the cross? Are they they're requiring you to do anything at all? You know, you're not even, you know, I can see you're not even required to go visit the cross. So how is the existence of a cross by itself promoting a religion? Well, as I said, I, I really think it sends the message. Uh, what, what the courts have, have tended to use for these cases is a okay. standard. And I should point out, I'm not an attorney, by the way. I've picked up some legal language over the years. No, I'm not either. I'm just a yeah. talk show host, yeah. Right. Well, we're probably both better off for that. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, they, they've, they've used a standard that they call the neutral observer. If a neutral mm-hmm. observer sees this cross on government property, what does he or she perceive? And I think the message the neutral observer gets is, well, that's the government favoring a religion. And think about it another way, too. What if it were another religious symbol? What if it were the symbol of another faith, and mm-hmm. you are not of that faith? Would you think that was appropriate? Absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because I, I believe in the freedom of religion, and I, you know, where the Pensacola Bayview Cross is, you've got space there for a Buddha, you've got space for a Star of David, you've got space for, for any number of religious symbols, and I would have no problem with that whatsoever, because as you say, your book you know, even says why religious freedom doesn't give you the right to tell other people what to do, yet there's a claim here that you can tell other people what to do with their crosses. So I see a little conflict here. You know, and the other thing I want to bring up is the, uh, there's an atheist memorial at our Pensacola courthouse. And does that say that the government is now promoting atheism? Actually, I I agree with you on that. If you look look at the space, the property, Mm -hmm. and you allow lots of different religious and non-religious groups to come in there and put their symbols up on their own time with their own dime, that's an important caveat, then I think that's fine. 
Hmm. Now, you talked about the Atheist Memorial. Um, That may be, I think I read something about that. That was funded by a private organization. Well, so was our cross. I mean, J.C. the baby cross. It was put up there on this space by a private organization because Uh there were other religious symbols in the area. Now, here's the challenge. Okay. We've all got to be mature enough to realize that some people are going to bring some symbols in that you might not like. You might remember a couple years ago there was a flap in the um, Florida State House at Christmas time. There was a nativity scene there, and then a menorah was brought in, and then somebody else put some symbols up, and it was the flying spaghetti monster. You know, all these <laughs> sort of unusual symbols were brought yeah, in. Yeah. Everything was going okay until the Satanic Temple decided they wanted to put up a display of some kind. And yeah. People said that went too far. But, you know, under our Constitution, there's not like a hierarchy of religions. You know, and some are real and some are not. You get to believe what you want. So some people may come into this public space with symbols that are jarring to some other folks. Yeah. As long as everybody's mature enough and can deal with that, I think that's another way to resolve this matter of symbols. Let everybody have at it. Yeah, and I think what, what it comes down to is we just don't really bother with the extreme folks, you know, the satanic religion. It's so much easier if we just deal with the, the regular mainstream religions. But I still I want to get back to a couple of different ideas here. Uh, the idea that just the mere existence of a cross promotes, you know, first of all, to get to these crosses, you have to go out of your way. Nobody's required to do anything, uh, other, you know, just because they exist. There's no, there's no government coercion. There's no government requirements. There's no nothing else, anything else. And a promotion, I mean, advertising is promotion. It doesn't require you to do anything, you know. So, so the fact that it's there, that the cross exists, that is a symbol of Christianity, doesn't in itself, to me, imply a promotion any more than the atheist symbol, you know, implies promotion motion at the courthouse in Pensacola. So that's where I have a disagreement. Well, think of it this way. And we, I talked about the, the cross outside San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was described as a war memorial. But one of the groups litigating against that yeah. were the Jewish war veterans, because the Jewish war veterans said, look, that's, that's not our symbol. And we fought for this country, too. So they felt that a cross was being used to represent them when it wasn't their symbol. Oh, I see what so you're saying. Yeah. That was, you know, that, that, that I talk about this sort of representing people, whether, you know, you have to go buy it or not, whether you have to do anything or not. Mm-hmm. That's just one part of it. I think the idea of representation is also important. You want to make sure that in a multi-faith, pluralistic society, mm-hmm. everybody's feeling that they've, they've got a, a voice and they're represented. And when the government puts up a cross and says, this is, you know, our symbol, yeah. some people aren't represented. Now, again, private groups, no problem. Yeah. But you see, I would be offended if, if, you know, just as you say, people are offended by having the cross up there. I'd be offended if it was taken away. And in fact, the removal of a cross to me would be promoting uh, a lack of religion by the government, if you're using the same logic. So I would say, leave the cross alone. Um, you know, if, if, it promote, if you're saying that promoting it is, is just by the fact that it's there uh, is a problem, then removing it would be just the same kind of problem, don't you think? Well, I, I, I think there are ways around that. We talked earlier about selling the land, selling the cross, right. uh, getting it into private hands. Yeah, I mean, the uh, principle, though, that's I want to kind of get, the, right. get well, really the, established uh, that. The, the, the real, I think, situation, where maybe we're, we're disagreeing here, is the mm-hmm. ownership. Okay. I think the government ownership of a religious symbol conveys a message of endorsement. Okay. Uh, and uh, at least now, under current Supreme Court uh, precedent, that would be enough to say it's unconstitutional. Now, there is an additional wrinkle. Mm-hmm. If you can show that a religious symbol has some sort of historic meaning, then it can probably continue to be displayed. Uh, there are some crosses that were erected uh, you know, many, many years ago by you know, various individuals from history or whatever, uh, and, and that is more of a historic display than a religious display. So there are a couple of like 
I guess you might say loopholes yeah. in, but, in some of these uh, situations. Yeah, but again, that's where I disagree with you because the Constitution doesn't require any uh, historic meaning or, or test of any kind uh, for a cross to be up. And we're going to get in the First Amendment when we come back from a break, uh, which basically says um, Congress shall make no, no law respecting an establishment of religion. We're going to go into what that means or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So what I see is any kind of cross removal is prohibiting the free exercise of religion, which the Constitution specifically bans. But before we get to break, let's, let's find out one more question here. Where does the separation of church and state come from? Well, that is a, a phrase that was used by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison mm-hmm. to describe the effect of the First Amendment. Uh, you know, in our Constitution, there are other provisions that are sort of described in shorter language, like separation of powers and other concepts, mm-hmm. because to say every time, establishment clause and free exercise clause, it, 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 it's very legalistic. So these other phrases have come into meaning, and that's where separation of church and state it was used by Jefferson and Madison in, mm-hmm. in writings and letters and, and other things okay. like that. But writings and letters aren't law. Well, they have impacted the law. When we come back, we can talk a little bit more about this, because actually the the experience of Jefferson and Madison, specifically in the state of Virginia, I think is very important to this debate. Okay, that sounds good. Let's do that. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk about that. My special guest, uh, Rob Boston from the Americans United uh, for Separation of Church and State. It's 8.19 in the morning, and we'll be back. Yeah, back to Heavy Metal Friday. I'm going to get right back to our guest here, uh, Rob Boston from Americans United for Separation of Church and State. We've got a caller. Jennifer, hang on a little bit. I want to get to um, one point we talked about before the, the, the break here. Uh, so tell me about Jefferson and Virginia, and then I have a, a question for you, Rob. Sure. Well, you have to remember that the thing that really got people so worked up back in the day were, were church taxes. People mm-hmm. being forced to pay financially right. a tax to support churches that they did not belong to. And Thomas Jefferson wrote the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom to to do two things, to disestablish the church in Virginia, so you end the church tax, mm-hmm. and take the additional step of granting everybody the right to choose their own religion. And those concepts, I mean, think about that, mm-hmm. ending the established church, granting everybody religious freedom, were reflected in the First Amendment, which James Madison uh, uh, was the primary author of and the father of the Constitution. So you're talking about these guys working together yeah. to first bring that situation to Virginia and then nationwide. Well, that makes sense, though, because what happened in England was, and this still exists today, you have the queen or the monarch of England is head of the state of England and head of the church of England. So the separation of church and state that I've always talked about is that separation where, the, you know, in our country, the president can't be Archbishop of America and Congress cannot establish the Church of America like they did in England. So I understand that. And I understand not having church taxes, but uh, what you're talking about is a total separation, which I think is very different from the actual separation of government uh, from church and state. So that is the only separation I see in the Establishment Clause. Right. Well, I, I'm familiar with that argument, and I think that it, it, if it, that were the case, the First Amendment might be worded a, lo- a little differently. I mean, the phrase, hmm. no law respecting an establishment of religion, there were versions, early versions of the First Amendment mm-hmm. that simply banned a national church, and, yeah. and they were rejected as too weak. So I, they meant something more, clearly. Okay. Let's take uh, Jennifer's call and see what the question is. Jennifer, go ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, yes, I have a question that is that I mean, not not just a question, but but a uh, a, a point that is that I think is important. The cross has no meaning unless it's something that you've been taught, either by your society or within within the culture of your home and your own. And I say that like this. I say that to mean this. 
although it is an offense to you, it is an offense to you only because others have told you what it means. Until until it becomes your your symbol, it is an offense to you only because you have accepted what others have told you what it means. To the pilgrims it meant something. But many people came to this country and when somebody died they stuck a stick in the ground. Then they stuck another stick across that stick that gave the name maybe of the person that was underneath that stick. That cross did not necessarily represent the Christ Jesus Christ who was crucified. It represented that a, a memorial. It was a memorial to somebody who died. Hmm. Do you have a question for uh, for Rob at this point? Or well, is it, that is what uh, that that is basically what it is. Is that there are many symbols okay. that are not religious, including like the peace symbol is considered to be by some to be a broken cross, but it is not considered religious, but on the other hand, if a person is a Satanist, they might accept the peace symbol as a symbol of, of Satanism. Hmm. The uh, yin and yang is not considered by many. It's just a pretty sign. Yeah. But to certain people in all, it may represent re- a particular religion. Okay, let's hold it there and let's get to a response from uh, from Rob. Thanks, Jennifer, for your call. Appreciate it. Well, I, I understand Jennifer's uh, statement that, that you know, cross can have different meanings to people. Obviously, that is true, but I think it's pretty well universally recognized as the preeminent symbol of the Christian faith. And when you see a cross, you know, you immediately think, oh, Christianity, Christian church, Christian entity. Uh, and that's how it's usually perceived, and that's sort of the standard that the courts have used as well. It's so recognized as a Christian symbol that it is, in fact, that. Yeah. Here's something I uh, was wondering about last night. I'm reading my Declaration of Independence and Constitution. And when you get to the part here, uh, very very much in the top, where it says that we are endowed, I'll start at the beginning of the paragraph, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And so the, the founding principle of our country, where our individual rights come from, it, you know, is you know our creator and so there you really can't if you have a wall of separation of church and state you're almost walling off you know our you know our creator from our rights and this is what it seems to me and this is why i challenge this idea that we have a complete wall of separation we don't because our most founding basic principle about where our rights come from right here in the constitution is that our rights come from god not from government and that is what separated us from every other country in the world where rights came from the king rights came from whatever the monarch was you know rights came from all kinds of different places, and they came from a place where they could easily be taken away. You know, government by, you know, whatever whim they had, you know, democracies by majority vote. And so if, you know, if you understand our system and our founding, that our rights are given to us at birth and they can never be taken away. And if you separate that with a complete wall of separation, uh, you basically dissolve our, our individual rights that you and I are expressing right now. Well, you know, I would urge you to go back and look at those documents again, because it's very interesting, as you point out, that the Declaration contains these deistic references to the Creator. But they weren't repeated in the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't contain any references to to the Creator, to God, to Jesus. Doesn't have to. But it's really remarkable, though. I mean, that's the actual governance document. I mean, think about the purpose of the Declaration of Independence was basically to tell the world, look, we're serious, we're separating from Great Britain, Mm -hmm. and, and we want your support. But the Constitution is an actual governance document. It right. actually sets out what the government will look like, how it will function. 
and it doesn't contain those religious references. And I think that was deliberate because, again, that was discussed. Yeah. There were people who advocated for that as the Constitution was being written, and they didn't include it. Then there was a reason behind that. But it does have a, a limitation on religion. The First Amendment, right here, you know, where it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. So there is a reference. But see if you understand the Constitution the way I do. The states, well, the people basically created the states. The states, you know, ratified the Constitution, which is a contract for the federal government. So the states created a, an entity that could do the things that they couldn't do individually. And so they made a contract that the federal government would operate under. And one of the the parts of the contract, um, the Bill of Rights says that no law respecting an establishment of religion uh, shall be uh, shall be made, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So those to me seem the clearest. I don't see the ambiguity here that, that you're talking about or the whole need for courts. We're going to have the courts in a minute because courts are one of my biggest, uh, you know, crusades at this particular point. So so how how can you say that there's no religious, you know, information at all when we have the First Amendment right here? Well, I said there was no Christian references, no references oh, okay, that to Jesus right. or Christianity or God. Now, yeah. obviously, there are religious references, as you note, note in the First Amendment. Okay. And interestingly, as you probably know, the end of Article 6 says there shall be no religious test for public office. And that's really interesting because mm-hmm. uh, they're basically saying there, look, you don't have to believe certain things right. about religion in order to hold uh, office under the federal constitution. Now, yeah. as, as I'm sure you know, all of this stuff was limited to the federal government. Uh, until the passage of the 14th Amendment. So, you know, we have this system that basically says, look, no matter what you might believe about God or religion, you mm-hmm. don't have to uh, hold any particular doctrine in order to hold public office, which is an amazing thing because a lot of states back then did require people to believe certain things about religion before they could hold office. Yeah, that was wrong. You know, so we do have some definite points of agreement here. Yeah, there should be no religious test to hold office. I completely understand that. But what happens, I think, with the Establishment Clause is that people will relate almost anything to saying that it's establishing religion. I want to get your point of view on that. Even the most recent cases of uh, courts overturning uh, President Trump's travel ban saying, well, it establishes a, an anti-Muslim religion or, or something like that. So how far does this, in your view, how far does the Establishment Clause go? I, I think the Establishment Clause is a command okay. that the government treat all religions and, frankly, in many cases, non-religions equally, that it not have a preferred faith and that it not make a citizen's beliefs uh, and any kind of you know penalty or or, 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 or or sanction against them because of what they believe or, or may not believe about religion. With the Muslim ban, I think what uh, the, the problem with that is that it it appears to be putting a sanction or a, or a type of penalty of some kind mm-hmm. against people because of what they believe about religion. And I don't think the Establishment Clause, and, and frankly, I don't think the Free Exercise Clause allows that either. It, uh, both of those clauses are saying, look, you know, we're, we're going to protect religious expression no matter what form it might be, and mm-hmm. your standing as a citizen isn't uh, going to be affected by what you believe or don't believe. Yeah. yeah see, again, this is going to be a point of disagreement because I go with the, the limited you know, interpretation I said before, that unless Congress is actually establishing a religion, and they certainly didn't establish Christianity or the cross. That was established, you know, a couple thousand years ago. So, so that's why I don't see, uh, you know, the, the ability of the courts to say now that we can remove the cross because Congress established a religion makes any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, I think we had a call. We did have a call. So, uh, yeah, please call in. Uh, get involved in the debate here. 623-1330 is our number, 850 area code, 623 623- uh, 1330. Um, we should probably take one more break, and I want to get into the courts next, because a lot of what you're doing is based on court cases, and I want to, I want to talk about 
you know, the courts, as far as I'm concerned, aren't justified in interpreting the Constitution. And that's going to be a, a big debate for us in a little bit. 832, be back in just a little bit with my guest, uh, Rob Austin from Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Now the phone lines are lit up. <laughs> and uh, let's get back to our guest here, Rob Boston. Um, courts. We got two. Now the callers, well, everybody's calling in. So I want to get one quick point here. A lot of what you're doing is dependent on the courts. And so where do the courts get their authority um, to you know, regulate matters of religion uh, in the law? Well, that's uh, in the Constitution. Where? Well, See, now here's where we are going to disagree. I know. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. If, if you don't agree with judicial review, um, and I, I, don't. I, 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 I see judicial review as an important component of the okay. checks and balances. Okay. Uh, you know, remember, if the court hands down a decision that folks don't like, it is possible to deal with that through mm-hmm. a constitutional amendment. There have been some passed. Most have not passed, but some have. So there's a, a system of checks and balances in place that I think is important, and I think the um, – the courts and their judicial review function are an important component of that. I'd be a little worried if we didn't have that because then basically anything Congress passed would be law. Not true. Why not? Well, you've got the president that could veto. Uh, you've got the states. Uh, now, here's the problem, and you're right in one respect. The, the courts have sort of filled a void. Uh, one of our big problems was the 17th Amendment, which took the state uh, out of Congress because the states used to appoint their senators. And that was a great check on the power of, of Washington. The states had representation. But also juries. We've discounted juries. And juries are more powerful than the Supreme Court because juries represent the people who are supreme to the Supreme Court, which represents the government. And so I would challenge you. And I want to do this quickly because we want to get to the callers. But this is where we have a complete disagreement. Judicial review does not exist legally. It's not in the Constitution. It's not in the contract that the state set up. And the Supreme Court has no business doing it. If you want to change laws, you've got other legislation. You've got elections, you've got the, the executive, and you've got juries, and that's where laws get tested. So, yeah, we're going to disagree on that, but that's why I got you here, so we could, uh, we could disagree. Let's take, uh, let's take Charles right now. Charles, why don't you go ahead? Yes, uh, good program. Thank you. Um, that's one of my favorite subjects, is separation of church and state. Oh, go for it then. And I'm very much against the government uh, instituting religion in the schools. Okay. That's why I'm against uh, humanism in the schools. I don't know whether you're familiar with the Humanist Manifesto. Is our guest familiar with the Humanist Manifesto? Yes, yes, I am. All right. If you read the Humanist Manifesto, all the planks of the Humanist Manifesto, which, by the way, was signed by John Dewey, supposedly the father of progressive education. And in that uh, Humanist Manifesto, it lays out all the planks for humanism. Yeah. Let's get humanism to... is basically the belief that man can solve all the poverty, ignorance, disease in the world without God. Yet that's the official religion, unannounced, but official religion of the National Education Association and the government. Hmm. What, what do you have to say about that? Good call. Well, I, I am against a, any formal or required or compulsed religious activity in public schools. I don't think students should be forced to pray, read religious books, or do anything like that. Now, what they do on their own time, when they have free time, if they want to read the Bible or the Koran or a humanist book or whatever, they should be able to do that. Also, I think that we need to do a better job teaching about religion as an historic subject in our schools. For instance, uh, how religion has affected world history, how it's affected U.S. history, and in positive and negative ways. I mean, we've got to we've got to do it honestly. We could do a better job there. 
but I, I have to disagree with the caller on, on humanism in the schools. I think the schools are re- neutral on religion, at least they should be, but neutrality does not equal hostility to my mind. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's definitely going to be a, a big area of disagreement. We have an extremely strong religious community here, and so that's that's part of the uh, of the interest in having you to discuss these issues because you know the things that folks believe here are not the things that folks believe you know, where I was from in California. There are very very different beliefs. Religion. It's interesting. Um, I don't have a problem with religious schools. In fact, I don't make a distinction between you know private, public. You know, schools are schools, and if they want to teach you know certain things, comparative religions is a great idea. I mean, I don't want to force a belief any more than I want to see schools force a belief in, you know, trying, you know, homosexual sex as opposed to heterosexual, you know, saying try it and see if you like it. I mean, that's imposing a view, too. Uh, The whole climate debate argument, you know, is is looked at almost like a religion, because if you don't believe, you know, in climate change, then you're a denier. And they're sort of couching this in religious terms. How would you feel about that? Well, you know, again, anything that's taught in the schools, uh, I I think you have to to do it from a a non-sectarian fashion. Okay. So when you're teaching anything that deals with you know, science or history or whatever, it's got to be done neutrally. Now, you talked about comparative religion, and I think, again, that's a, another good way to do that, to bring yeah. that in objectively, but it, it can be challenging sometimes in a nation where most people are Christian, because that has you know impacted our society, it's impacted our culture, and there's sometimes there's kind of a default to, to, to go back to that as the majority religion and assume that those doctrines are the ones that will dominate in any kind of classroom discussion. Whereas I think we would all do better if we understood a little bit more about some of the other religions in the world today. So we keep, keep that in mind that we can do that, but it has to be done in a way that is truly educational, not indoctrinational. Okay. Let's take Carl's call. Carl, Carl why don't you go ahead? Hey, good morning. Uh-huh. Uh, great conversation this morning. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask a question about... Uh, an issue that happened here in Pensacola about 20 years ago where firemen put up a major scene during December in front of the fire station off to the side, you know. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about that, but I, were, you were, I wanted to ask you quickly. You were talking about the Muslim ban earlier. Uh-huh. And uh, does anybody know if the original executive order Actually, did it say from Muslim countries, or did it just list nine or ten or eleven countries that happened to be Muslim? Well, it wasn't a Muslim ban. What it was was a they picked certain countries that were you know sources of terrorism, and in fact, it goes back to the Obama administration, and it was just a pause on travel. So then the the court, and this is why I object to judicial review basically made their own policy, saying they didn't like the president's policy, even though the president clearly has the statutory authority to do you know, pretty much what he wants as far as immigration goes. And so that's how that worked out. So, um, so as far as you know, those countries were just listed by the names of the countries, yeah. and it didn't mention anything about Muslims in the ban at all. Yeah. So, Rob, so, want to get into yeah. this? Yeah, um, you're right. They listed the countries. Now, what I think, if I'm not mistaken, what happened there was they used Trump's words during the campaign. Right. He had talked about how you know, he wanted to impose a Muslim ban as evidence mm-hmm. that that was what this policy was intended to do. And, of course, the countries listed were predominantly Muslim. So it's, it, 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 the court does look at other types of statements sometimes. And, mm. and of course, well, it's pending before the U.S. Supreme Court, so we'll get a final determination. Yeah, I, I, I think if they use candidates' words when they're running for election <laughs> as their intention. Well, I think it does speak to intent. To I have to disagree with you on that. I mean, he said yeah. it several times. So I think there's yeah. evidence that you know, well, want to do that. You know, but you yeah, had asked he, about he the nativity scene, and that, that's an interesting yeah. issue. Because I want to kind of get back to that if we can, because the whole issue of the kind of Christmas symbols and what you can do at Christmas mm-hmm. uh, is, has been an area where the courts have, have settled, had a lot to say. 
And what they've essentially said is uh, it's sometimes called facetiously the plastic reindeer rule. You can oh, I never put, heard that one. What's that? Yeah, the plastic reindeer rule. You can put nativity scene and other religious symbols up at Christmas time if you also include some secular symbols. So you got you know reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Santa, whatever. Uh, again, it gives this government space. Now, if it's private groups coming in and uh-huh. using the space, they can put up whatever they want. And I, again, I think that's probably the way to go. There have been some cases in, in, in the D.C. area where I'm located where so, if they, 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 you know, the nativity scene is put up right in front of the courthouse by, say, the Knights of Columbus. And then a Jewish group comes in and puts their symbol up, and then you know, somebody else comes in and puts theirs up, and so on down the line. Hmm. Uh, so in the Pensacola case, I don't know for a fact, but I suspect that was put up by a government agency, and that's why it might have no, been challenged. No, I, I work there. And okay. the <laughs> firemen put it up with their own money, but the city manager made a decision to not allow but firemen were you, were you were you uh, municipal employees? Well, firemen work twenty four hours a day. But you're paid so, by the government, right? You were so, paid by the government. Right. That, that that's the so, difference. That's the difference. That you're well, a government employee, so you're you're basically acting on behalf of the government. So it, I couldn't come in on my day off and put up a, a you know manger scene. Yeah, you could if you were willing to allow other folks to come in okay. and put their symbols up too. I think that would have been the case. I think what happened was that the interpretation by the city manager, he got it wrong. That's what happened. So there's not been a major, major scene. Firemen have not been allowed to put one up since uh, 20 years ago when the manager made that decision. So, you know, but that's what happens when you have these court rulings and then city managers and the school superintendents over, you know, overreact to the, to the, yeah. uh, to the judicial. Well, that's why we debate these things, Carl. And thanks sure. for your call. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, very good. So interesting. Um, there's all these conditions that you put on, the courts put on, and I don't understand these. You can, in other words, you can have the cross if it has also historical significance, or if there's a secular stuff. And I see the cross existing as itself as a symbol that the government really just just leave alone. You know, because you've got, as we talked about the First Amendment, it's just part of the free exercise of religion. So that's why I disagree with you also. And especially the one place we're never going to agree, I'm sure, uh, is on judicial review, because the courts definitely have favored, you know, a position of separation a lot of times. Whereas I would think if it were up to juries, if it were up to state governments and and people in, in elections, you know, where the law should be challenged, that I think we'd have a very different situation. The courts would have a lot less power, which to me is a good thing. What do you think? Well, you know, I, 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 we've talked about this, and obviously I, I don't agree with that. But I, yeah. I do think that I have some sympathy for folks working in local governments because it can okay. be difficult to interpret these decisions. Yeah. Also, too, they have changed over the years. Uh, courts sometimes are affected by the political situation. They become more conservative or they might become more liberal, I mean, whatever. Mm. And their rulings can change. I mean, there's an idea that courts are supposed to – there's a legal doctrine called stare decisis, which means respect the precedent. Yeah. But they don't always do that. They overturn precedent sometimes. So the precedents are sometimes horrible. <laughs> yeah, sometimes precedents deserve to be overturned. But yeah. your average attorney who's advising a school or a county or a government, local yeah. government, probably doesn't have all that nuance. And that's why they kind of have to look for a professional opinion from other types of groups. Yeah. We have to take one more break. And after we come back, I want to give you a minute to think about whether the case, uh, Supreme Court case, which uh, basically mandated same-sex marriages, uh, which basically changes the meaning of marriage and to me establishes you know, almost a new religion by itself, is that, in fact, establishing a religion by that ruling. So let's take that when we come back. It's 48. My guest, uh, Rob Austin from Americans United for Separation of Church and State. And we'll be right back. Throw up your rock fist if you're feeling it when I drop this. Show them how we blow this spot. Let's make it hot. 
You know, it's, it's uh, fascinating. I think we've covered pretty much most of the issues that I wanted to cover. So I want to invite the callers here if you want a chance to uh, to get in on the conversation here. 623-1330-850, area code 623-1330. But something I thought of last night was I was going over the worst Supreme Court cases of all time. In fact, we can we can talk about that sometime. But uh, the case of, of same-sex marriage, uh, which to me seems to be the court basically creating uh, a, a new religion or certainly a new part of religion. And, and it goes against my disagreement that the court can't make law uh, through ju- judicial review, but they seem to have done that. So what, did, what is uh, the group's feeling or your feeling as far as the Supreme Court case or just same-sex same marriage in general? Where does that come in? Well, I, I have to disagree with you on that one. I, first of all, that wasn't a church day case. It was decided under the Equal Protection Clause. Okay. Now, there are religious aspects to it because most people get married in a house of worship. Mm-hmm. And I would agree that no house of worship anywhere should be required to serve same-sex couples if they don't want to. And that, that's, okay. that right is absolutely protected. I mean, we're two years removed from that decision, and we haven't had any cases uh, of that happening. I mean, churches and mosques and temples, they get to decide who they'll marry. It's completely their right, end of discussion. But as far as just the, the right to marriage equality, I think the court made a significant step forward for, for rights in that case. Uh, deciding that under the Equal Protection Clause, and I support the decision, but I would say that houses of worship, if they don't want to be involved in those types of relationships, they shouldn't have to. Hmm. But how does that work under equal protection? Because who's being equally protected? Not the people who are married under the you know, under the, the classic system of man and woman. So who who were they were talking about? Well, I think you're talking about an extension of those rights, uh, an opposite-sex couple. When you're married, you oh, gain. opposite sex couple. Yeah, you mean a married couple? <laughs> you, well, you gain you gain access, you know, to certain yeah. benefits and 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 rights, and yeah. something sometimes as simple as the right to visit your partner in a hospital, See, the right to leave the property, and yeah. all those sorts of things now being extended to the same sex couples as well. That's the equal protection they sought. I think all the benefits of marriage, which are considerable and I think very important, and, and that I support for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I will agree with you there that uh, you know couples that have you know domestic partnerships or whatever. I just wish there was a different word because marriage. You know, is a, is a classically defined word we've had since you know our oldest societies define marriage as between a man and a woman. And I don't want to get into a whole debate on that yet, but I still contend that the court created religion, which went against the First Amendment, and that's where that case probably should have been tried, uh, as well as equal protection. Let's get uh, Dennis in on the conversation. Dennis, you're on. Hey, I got no? one question, one thought. Sure. Do you only target the removal of Christians? And then I was curious. If you went into a Muslim country like Saudi Arabia and tried to do away with their Koran and all their religious stuff, how do you think that would work out for you? Let's go to the Christian symbols. That's a great question. Thanks very much, uh, Dennis. Right. Well, it doesn't happen as much with other types of symbols. Uh, but certainly if, if there were a comparable situation with uh, the symbol of another faith being erected, supported, paid for by the government, yes, we would certainly oppose that as well. Now, the second question about Saudi Arabia is interesting because um, I think Saudi Arabia is a perfect example of a nation that absolutely positively needs to separate religion and government. And one of the things I do here at Americans United sometimes is I actually meet with delegations of visitors from overseas on behalf of the State Department, and I've talked to several delegations of Saudi Arabia. And, you know, I've tried to plant that seed because that is an extremely oppressive religious state. I mean, they execute people yep. who uh, speak out against uh, Islam. They uh, will uh, imprison people even for, you know, making a YouTube video. And in fact, it's illegal to even open 
houses of worship from, for other faiths in that country. So uh, there are still a few nations in the world today where these really oppressive combination of, combinations of religion and government uh, are suppressing human rights. And I, I think we have an obligation to speak out against that. To me, religious freedom, the right to believe or not, as guided by conscience, is the right of all people worldwide. And, and we should stand up for that in the United States as, as uh, Promoting that, frankly, and without apology. Yeah. Uh, it just seems a little bit of a contradiction to, to be supporting religious freedom, but not to the symbols of religious freedom in certain cases like crosses. And the call makes an interesting point about uh, other symbols. You know, do you, can you state some actions where there might have been other religious symbols or other actions against religion, uh, you know, combining with the state that you have uh, worked against? Yeah, I mean, there have been, there have been a couple cases like that. For example... Okay. Um, you know, you're in Florida, and I know down the southern part of Florida is where the Church of Scientology is, has some, some offices. Oh, okay. well, you know, they've they've tried to run programs in schools and prisons, and they've tried to you know do things that, where they they've sought public support, and we've spoken out against that. Now, again, with their own private money, uh, I have no problem, but I would not want them to be getting any kind of public support, just as I wouldn't want Christian churches or, or mosques or temples or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, our, our our belief is that religion no matter what kind it is, should stand on its own two feet, should look to its own members for support, and not ask the government to prop it up, either symbolically or financially. Yeah, okay. We only have a couple minutes left. Uh, anything you want to tell us about what your organization is doing or things you're working on or questions you have for me? No, I would just make an offer to folks listening. Uh, if you would like to see what we're about, our website is it's real simple, www.au.org. More importantly, um, we publish a magazine here called Church and State. It's all about well, church and state. And uh, if anyone would like to see a copy of that, you know, actual paper magazine, which I, I still like to read those things. You know, I want to look at everything online. So if you want to see this magazine, just shoot me an email at Boston, that's B-O-S-T-O-N, at A-U.org. be happy to send you some sample issues. Uh, and you can ask questions that way, too. If anyone wants to, you know, shoot me a question they didn't get on the air or whatever, uh, happy to chat. Yeah. We'll have to have you back to debate all the other issues because your organization covers a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, you've got uh, – I'm going to get your books. Well, we only have uh, – no, we've got about a minute here. So Close Encounters with the Religious Right, what's that about? That is sort of about the uh, the, the, the groups I've gone to visit kind of personally close up or I've uh, – you know, attended conferences of these organizations and mm -hmm. visited them and tried to get an understanding of what they're like from the inside. So that's kind of a little bit of a memoir, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And why the religious right is wrong about the separation of church and state? I thought I articulated it rather well. Well, that, that is a um, mainly a look at history and law, uh, again, not from a lawyer's perspective, but from a layperson's perspective about how we got the separation of church and state, what it means, and uh, how it's been interpreted. Yeah, I don't think we fully got that out there as far as, you know, sort of the transition between the, the letters that Jefferson and Madison wrote into the First Amendment and everything else. I still don't see it. Uh, I see the, the, the church and, and, you know, the church is still a moral authority over the state, that our rights come from God, and that to, to totally separate those would be to separate our rights from, from our government, from our country, and, you know, what makes us us. And so that's, uh, I think that's, that's our fundamental uh, uh, difference of opinion. It may be so, and we'll, we'll come back sometime. We'll, we'll hash that one out. Sounds good. Thank you very much. I've got to let you go. We're going to be off the air in just a few seconds. Thank you for joining us today. Really great discussion. I really appreciate you coming on the air. Well, thank you so much for having me. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns. No representation. No oil. No coal. No nuclear power. No space force. No constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, 
and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Okay, I'm back. Present day. <laughs> that was uh, from uh, um, July seventh uh, of uh, no, July twenty eighth. Excuse me, of twenty seventeen. And so it was interesting. It was, it was kind of fun to have. Uh, uh, oh, we got new people on now. Uh, oh, good. We got another um, person on live chat, which is which is good to see. So live chat for those that don't know. And again, we're back to present day. <laughs> we just took a six year jump. Uh, live chat is a feature that you can sign up for at the bottom of the page and allows you to type in from anywhere in the world. Uh, my usual guest is Marco from the Netherlands. Um, we also had uh, uh, Be Wise as Serpents <laughs> was on, you know, displaying his prejudice for both Jews and New Yorkers, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. So you can check live chat on that. Um, but um, it's, it's generally, it's very interesting how these things go. And people say things on live chat, but you challenge them on the show. It's like, oh, okay, fine. Uh, not quite uh, usually the same. And uh, folks like uh, that are going to be needlessly provocative and uh, prejudiced. I, I don't have time for that. If you got legitimate uh, disagreements with issues, you know, or even if you have problems, like he's got, uh, like I see, seems to have an issue with either uh, New Yorkers or, or Jewish folks or New Yorkers who are Jewish, you know, being governors of uh, Maui. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, what's that got to do with anything? You know, so I asked in the live chat, uh, well, do you, do you think uh, the governor had a hand in the fires or do anything about it or uh, they got irresponsibility there? What happened? And, well, no, you, you obviously don't uh, get the intent of my question. You know, well, the intent of the question is your prejudice. <laughs> That's the intent of the question. You know, it's only a question of how and why. And I was just investigating that. So it's kind of interesting. So I'm just kind of vamping here for a minute. We've got CJ joining us in just a second. And so we can talk uh, wellness um, at this time. That if, well, we got Pianchi. Let me get Pianchi real quickly. And see what he thinks of our of our separation of church and state interview from 2017. I had four months of radio experience then. I had a pretty good interview. Bianchi, what do you think? You know, I was trying to correlate the dates when you said about Donald Trump. I say, I thought that I was talking to you in 2016, but I guess I, I wasn't. 2017. But, <laughs> You're talking uh, to me in 2017. Yeah, that was the 2017 interview. Yeah. So I try and make it clear at the beginning. But you but, know. Uh-huh. You know, you're talking about the cross. Actually, the, the cross was a sign of peace of, of the divine spirit way uh-huh. before the advent of Christianity. So, um, you know, it has been made into what it is in this part uh-huh. of the world, but in other parts of the world, it's, it doesn't mean anything about the crucifixion of uh, of Jesus. And also, no, even I mean, during uh, that time, the Roman period, it was yeah. everybody was any criminal was nailed to the cross. Yeah, crucifixion was like the, it was like uh, you know what hanging became in the electric chair. It was just the the common form or the the chopping block or the, the guillotine. It was just the, it was the method of execution, particularly barbaric form of execution, but execution nonetheless. Um, I got CJ on the line here, so I want to get to uh, to her stuff here in just a second. But uh, it was interesting. That, well, it's it's hard with these. I announced it before the interview, but the the quality of the interview and the quality of the live show are almost the same. 
which is really hard to tell, um, unless I mention WEBY or something like that. I try and do it at the beginning of these interviews, but I play them when I have time, generally on a Thursday, because I've got two hours. And so I found that particularly interesting. Okay. First hour, we talked about free speech. And so this time we talked about separation of church and state. But the one thing I missed, and then I'll get to, uh, to CJ, the one thing I missed was when he talked about this guy from uh, Americans United uh, against uh, or, or for the separation of church and state, was he talked about, you know, working on behalf of the State Department, meeting various groups like Saudi Arabians. I'm like, what are you, are you political? Are, are, you, are you working for our government? Are you an NGO? In which case, uh, you know, are you advocating a religious position? You know, or a, or a non-religious position uh, acting on behalf of the government. So when we talk about separation of church and state, he actually contradicted his own mission there. And I, I didn't catch it the first time because I only had four months of radio experience. But uh, did you notice that or uh, or no? Well, I noticed a couple of things. And one thing that really stood out was when he was talking about uh, Donald Trump was banning Muslims. He wasn't banning Muslims. He was no. banning people from that particular country happened to be whatever it was. Yeah, the terrorist countries are generally predominantly Muslim. I mean, that's just that's that's the way it works. So that so that's interesting. That's like that's like saying, you know, when we see uh, looters, uh, most of the looters in the stores are black. You know, if we denied that somehow and said, well, it's a where we're banning black people from stores from coming to the store. That's a good point. Yeah. Denied them from coming into your store because uh, we have been uh, programmed by the news, which Mm -hmm. is actually telling this particular thing, telling the truth. That uh, that's what creates uh, you losing all your merchandise. I'll let you get to yeah. your guests. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, no, thank you. Listen, I'm glad you called in. All right, let's talk wellness. What is health? What does it take to stay healthy? We have a longer lifespan than 100 years ago, but is the quality of life any better? 100 years ago, their food was better. They got more exercise. They weren't as fat. They didn't have preservatives, antidepressants, sugar in everything. And they didn't have vaccines. If you talk about alternative health care, people think of crystals, incense, strange candles, Ouija boards, notions, potions, lotions, and total hippies telling you to detox, man. So let's change our system of sick care into wellness. Let's get healthy. Let's lower our stress, stop taking in poisons, eat and drink organic, clean food, and let's have a chat with CJ, because this is CJ's Wellness Watch on Action Radio. You know, it's really funny. I use virtually the same script uh, as I did for uh, Chancey Terry's uh, Wine, Weed, and Wellness Wednesday. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be interesting, when because uh, she might come back on the show every, every once in a while, so I'll be playing her theme. If you guys are on back-to-back, people will go, See, that's also interesting. Uh, the, the, those two themes sound really familiar, except for the music. <laughs> that's going to be funny. Anyway, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? <clears throat> Excuse me. I have to mute myself for a second. No worries. No worries. I, uh, it's been a interesting active morning over here. I have my, my daughter has a little bit of a sore throat this morning. So we're doing the raw honey and the gargling with the salt water and the whole nine yards. This morning. Oh, this is addition to everything else that you do? This is addition to the, 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 the vinegar that you drink and the, whatever else you exactly. eat. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> I think I just swallowed no, the wrong way or something yeah. like that, but, uh, yeah, it's no. a radio thing that happens. Yeah. Okay. That's all, that's all good. Yeah, 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 so that's been, yeah, so that's our morning. So, but yes, there's a couple really cool things um, mm-hmm. to discuss 
this 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 morning that I kind of had on my mind. And I wanted to bring up something that we we talked about before, and I don't want to really get too in depth into it until I do some more of my own digging and research because uh-huh. um, I think it depends. It depends a lot on the type that you get. But anyway, remember a while ago um, I had t- talked a little bit about and we had a guest on regarding scalar energy and energy systems. And yes. All, she was going to come back. I was going to get in touch with her. I I guess I never did. I just, something fell through the cracks there, but yeah. No, it's okay. So um, I had gone to a scalar energy enhancement system mm-hmm. in our area. And if you, if you put in to the computer EES, I think it's, yeah, EES for Energy Enhancement Systems. They're mm-hmm. located in almost every state, and I think that there's a lot of them in Florida, and they're just becoming known. And I'm not very educated on them, so I can't answer a whole lot of questions. I just know from the little bit of, that I have read and from my own personal experience, I believe that there are a lot benefits and I think that was one of the things that kind of turned our conversation at the time into mm-hmm. you know the frequencies and then transitioning into music and the whole nine yards but this is specific, specifically energy enhancement system technology and I believe there's some validity to this type of technology and, and science. I've, again mm-hmm. I have not studied it I have not dug into it I have seen some videos. I have done some little bit of reading. I have gone for firsthand experience myself. And I am actually planning on going again tomorrow to a different location. Um, it has a, it's the same concept, the same similar setup, um, but slightly different. And I know that really doesn't make any sense. But So what does it do again? Just to, uh, just to refresh our memories, does it, it bombard you with energy or sound or or different yes. wavelengths of it light, or what? With, what is it exactly? Yes, it has to do with energy and light. Okay. Correct. And frequency right. waves. Okay. Well, and, light's a frequency and a particle. It gets confusing. So, are we talking? But I know frequencies. It's like visible spectrum. You know, the rainbow colors. You know, the invisible ultraviolet, yes. uh, infrared at the other end. Are they visible or invisible light spectrum, or both? They're they're visible. Okay. And so, what do they do? What's what's the, what are these frequencies designed to do? combine with like quantum healing and scalar energy waves. Okay. So they combine with frequencies in your, in your body. Huh? Well, you know? it's visible. So, sunlight it, is, it, is like all the visible light. So sunlight is good for you, especially for, for vitamin D production. So is this something that duplicates sunlight by chance or is it, does it emphasize different frequencies? It emphasized from what I know, and I could be wrong, different okay. frequencies because it creates multiple bioactive energy fields, okay. which can allow your cells to regenerate, improve immune function, like all the things balances right and left hemispheres of the brain to, brain to increase energy levels. So that's kind of what it does. And I believe that I did receive some sort of benefit the first time that I went and had a two-hour session, and I only okay. did one. Now, this time, because this location is closer, I plan on going tomorrow for about two hours, and then I will probably purchase one or two. Tomorrow I get a free session, and I'm going to bring a friend with me to go as as, as well because it's bring a friend for free Friday, something like that. And then um, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go for two other treatments. They're very inexpensive. I think it's $60 for two hours, well, something like, like that. that. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. Do they have special right. bulbs, and how do they regulate the frequencies? I'm, I'm just curious. And do you wear like funky sunglasses, or, or what do you what do you do? Um, no, you just lay there like in a recliner. You can put headphones on. You don't have to to sleep. It like involves, a tanning booth. Um, it's it, it, but it's an open room. You just lay there, and you can. There's okay. other people in the room with you. So like I said, hmm. it's bio. It's bioactive energy field that can have that can mm-hmm. promote health benefits. So okay. there, there are linear fifth dimension scalar fields that promote cell regeneration. So well, that's you're a big word. And, yeah. <clears throat> are you reading something? You just threw a big word at me. No. Linear. No, what is that I again? Linear what? When I read, <laughs> it has a lot to do with cells, the cells okay. in your body. Okay. Huh. And regeneration, Cell like cellular detoxification when you detoxify your body. Right, mm-hmm. immune right. function, all the all those sort of things. So the te- the technology was developed over twenty plus years ago. Okay. So and I think let me just see here because I don't want to get the name. Dr. Sandra Rose Michael, huh. um, one that was one of the people involved in that. So and it's recognized by dozens of medical scientists and professionals around the world. So again, it's a very new thing. Uh-huh. To the air and to most people, but it's something that I am going to definitely research, look into, all that kind of good stuff. Well, I always ask questions, even if I like it, you know, just because it's just more interesting that way to me. Right. Um, there was a thing not too long ago, maybe, oh, actually it was, maybe it's about 20 years ago now, full spectrum lighting. And so one of the problems that people were experiencing in offices, when they lived in offices, you ever see the, uh, the movie All the President's Men? You've got the Washington Post you know, reporter's room. And there's like rows and rows and rows of fluorescent bulbs. And fluorescent lights are terrible for the light frequencies they emit. It's like all yellows and greens and no reds or oranges or purples or whatever it is. It's bad. It's not, a, it's, it's a bad spectrum. It's, it's a mood depressing. It's awful. And so a while ago, these people came up with full spectrum light that duplicates frequencies and intensities um, that the sun puts out. You know, the, the same amount of red, same amount of yellow, green, orange, blue, indigo violet. So it puts out the same spectrum as the sun. And of course it makes people happy because it's like being in sunshine. So instead of being in your fluorescent office cage prison, um, you're in a, 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 you know, a sunlight, you know, a full spectrum, uh, it's basically like being outside. Now, is this similar to that or totally different? I think it's totally different. Okay. So the whole outside thing. And I don't know, are you okay? I think you'll be able to hear it. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about grounding sure. today as well, which also, I mean, yeah, and I'm okay. I know everybody is, <laughs> if you're asking, yeah, I'm it's perfectly fine. Yeah. is familiar with grounding, but there's a really short video since I have you, like I said, on, um, on speaker. Let me see uh, if I can do this. Yeah, we just can't play copyrighted stuff, so unless we got to give credit and all that kind of thing. I'm, I'm not crazy about playing uh, like videos. Well, okay, give it a shot. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, this is on Instagram, somebody that did a short video on okay. grounding for inflammation, uh-huh. cardio disease, mus- muscle damage, and all the benefits. And so we can play that, and I'll try to let everyone hear it, and then we can kind of have a conversation about it. Okay, how long is it? And make sure you give the credit. I don't even think a minute or two. Okay, Who, who's it by? Or you can give it afterwards. We always give credit where credit is due. It doesn't even say. I think some guy just put it up there. Okay. On, well, whatever information you have, you about, we yeah. should get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even it's just yeah. a name. Okay. Hold on. Yep. Hold on one sec. I can even send you the link. Okay. Hold on. Takes in 
when you touch the earth. What happens is the body saturates with electrons practically instantaneously. It's so fast that you can't measure. Electrons from the earth enter the body right away and they coat the red blood cells so that the cells repel each other. And then they can't clump and the blood viscosity goes down. It's easier for the heart to pump the blood. The blood pressure goes down. All kinds of cardiovascular issues, they go away. Yeah, so that was it. That huh. was it. The, the benefits, basically, of, of grounding and getting in touch with the frequencies of the earth, and I'm very new to that particular information, but I have you ever done a lot of grounding? I've never heard of it in terms of uh, the, the grounding I know. There's a different kind. There's electrical grounding where you, you ground, you know, uh, a lightning rod so that the electricity, rather than destroy your house, you know, goes into the ground. So that's grounding. There's grounding and shielding with electrical components so they don't short circuit blow up. There's that kind, that's why three plugs right. are better than two. So there's that kind of grounding. There's grounding in terms of philosophical. You know, in other words, you're grounded, you're, you're, you're connected. Uh, you're not off in some space, airborne kind of weird world. There's that kind of grounding. There's all kinds of groundings. Uh, there's grounding where people walk in bare feet on the park because they figure they're closer to the ground, and therefore they're actually That's literally it. grounding. And, and so they're, they're getting yeah. more in touch with uh, the natural world. So there's lots of kinds of grounding. So it just depends on when right. someone says, right. are you grounded? In other words, do you have a strong foundation as opposed to, you know, are you an air sign like me? Right. You know, being a Libra. You know, so I'm, I'm definitely not grounded. Right. I'm <laughs> not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the grounding, um, as far as walking outside, on uh-huh. the grass, you yeah. know, it ankle charges coming from the earth, you know. And so oh, if people say, well, I walk to the mailbox, you know, uh-huh. in bare feet. Well, you're on the cement, right? That's not yeah, grounding. Yeah. That's not grounding, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, on the dirt and, you know. And I just talked about this a little bit yesterday. I've been uh-huh. attempting to do this more myself because I, as the research that I do, there's a lot of benefits to, to grounding. There really is. But I have issues with, you know, stepping in on ants and bugs and mud. Like, it's just, the, oh, I don't like that kind of stuff. Now, I can go ground and walk on the beach all day long. But, yeah. yeah it's, right? not, it's not good to walk right? in bare feet. Yeah. But, uh, and I walk on bare feet sometimes around the house, but it's, it's, it's oh, the complete the opposite of the way yeah. I personally was raised. I was always told, put your shoes on, don't walk around barefoot, this and that and the other thing. You're going to get flat feet. You know, but when you're outside, I mean, I have about back and forth. <laughs> yeah, people ran around, you know, outside, right. you know, on the ground, on, on, you know, in the grass doing these things. I mean, that's just going back. That's how we were brought up and raised, how we're meant to be. So it totally makes sense. And the electrical charges of the earth, as I'm reading and studying more, and many people know a lot more, obviously, about this, but a lot of health benefits. And it's still under a lot of research, but the scientific research for grounding and walking around the earth in barefoot, bare feet, mm-hmm. has been seen to improve inflammation, like I said, cardiovascular, muscle, mood, chronic pain, because it puts mm-hmm. you outside in nature as well as far as getting, getting sun. And the electrical activity that exists within our, I hate this word, but matrix earth, it functions as an immune system defense. It's similar to you know, when we talk about antioxidants. Right. 
So it's a natural defense of the body that can be restored when you're walking outside. And so just doing that 15 minutes a day can mm-hmm. actually change your red blood cell. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't want to say fluidity, but um, maybe that's a good word. Change your red blood cell fluidity, right, which plays a lot. Well, that's what they were saying before, that it, it changes. The, these electrons coat your red blood cells, and they repel. Uh, they cha- I guess they change the magnetism or the, the charge of electricity on your red blood cells. They repel each other so they don't clump together. So it looks like an empty blood clot thing. So it's probably a good way to get rid of blood thinners and probably a great treatment uh, for those with the COVID shot where their blood is clumping together. So that might be a, a very good thing to get rid of those, those huge clots. But in general, if you're generally healthy, I don't see, you know, how it necessarily benefits uh, to have your blood flow any faster uh, if it's flowing fine already. You know, I'm, I'm of the, you know, if it ain't broke, yeah, go, ain't right. broke don't fix it. I, mean, that's, I told Blog Talk that too. Right. Hey, guys, right. well, I put you a new system. Point. It's not working. <laughs> you know, right. So, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of types of grounding, but okay. all of them focus on reconnecting yourself really to the earth. And if, mm-hmm. you, if you go onto Amazon or different places, it's interesting to me, and that's why I find this a great point of research, something, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna, I don't plan on spending 30 hours on this, but I plan <laughs> on looking into it a little bit more, is, mm-hmm. you know, you can buy grounding mats. And I'm thinking oh. about getting one for myself, because think about if you live in the city or something like that, and you don't have a place to go out and run in the grass or walk outside on the earth in bare feet. You, they simulate the same sort of electrodes as far as keeping you grounded with that, with that type of technology where you can put huh. a mat underneath your feet if you're working at your desk all day long. And it comes with right. like a little like wristband, and it's all about the um, electronic c- connectivity, right? So you can do that. I find that interesting, you know, it's how that works compared to walking outside in nature, which I think would be the best. Um, yeah, but there's, uh, so, there's always uh, the, the thing is too, I don't like I've never walked around much in bare feet, so stones, you know, things like that. Uh, like I say, that whatever parasites are in the soil, I don't want that. Um, but I walk around, you know, here and it's a lot of hard wood in my place, so that's actually probably right, good right. for your feet. Uh, the beach, I've walked always. The only place I always go barefoot is the beach, you know, because it's cool and it's great for exercise. So that's different, but you don't yeah. have the same stuff in the beach that you have in in dirt, you know. So you're you're a lot Correct. safer off at the beach. Um, unless you have you growing in the water, in which case you need your ocean shoes because you don't want to step on coral or, you know, rocks or things like that. So uh, that's the problem with bare feet. It's more the injury factor. There's the reason I don't do it. Not so much the parasites, although that, that's, you know, I think about it. But I've always worn sneakers. I just have, except in the ocean. I have my ocean shoes yeah. or bare, bare feet on the beach. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's funny you idea. say that because, uh-huh. yeah, when I'm at the beach, I mean, recently, and when I was a little girl, like, I, I did not like getting into the ocean ocean like I don't mind walking on the beach in my bare feet I love to stand in my feet what mm-hmm. bothered me was I didn't like going into the ocean in bare feet because I didn't like all that stuff at my feet so I would wear remember that like the water shoes I would mm-hmm. wear I've got a pair uh, some still. sort of water shoes yeah because I don't like all the sharp shells or getting my foot cut or stepping on a jelly I mean yeah, yeah I no, that's just safety not knowing what's at the bottom of my feet or a piece uh-huh. of glass drives me mentally crazy so (laughs) but walking on the beach where I can see where I'm walking and having sand in my feet that that doesn't bother me I love that I absolutely Mm -hmm. love that um but I think one of the other main points to both the EEF system and the grounding is continuing 
having people be open-minded to continue to explore different options of right. healing or not even healing, health benefits, the benefits, you know, regardless of whether you have something abnormal going on or not, just exploring other things that can benefit your health and regenerate the things in, in your body that maybe have become sluggish and help them to perform at an optimal level. And yeah, don't wait till you're sick so, to start taking care of your health. You want to take care of your health every day in one way or another. So everything right. you eat is a choice. Every exercise you do is a choice. Every exercise you don't do is a choice. Every time you take the car when you could have walked for 10 minutes, that's a choice. And all these choices add up. And so you want to make sure, right. like, I, you know, today's a gym day for me. So at some point today, I'm going to hit the gym, you know, and uh, yeah. I don't care if it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to get there, you know, so I don't right. miss a day. But that's a choice. But I always feel better when I do. So, you know, it's, it's a good choice. It's just getting there. Sometimes I ride my bike, but not in 100-degree heat. <laughs> that's got to defeat the purpose. Right. I, get there, I get there exhausted. Right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But all these things make a difference. But grinding makes perfect sense. Now, what's interesting, um, when I went to Panama, I went to the Bimbera village, uh, and these are folks that are barefoot their whole life. And the bottoms of their feet, almost like a quarter to a half-inch pad. So they build up a massive callus on the bottom of their foot. So I'm sure nothing's getting through that, not glass, not, well, unless it's real big and sharp, but, uh, you know, the parasites, the whole bit. So I think a lot of times, because we don't walk around barefoot our whole lives, we sort of lose that adaptation that people that walk barefoot their entire life have, which is interesting. Have you looked at that at all? Right. No, I think that that's, I think that that's accurate because I've seen people where, you know, they hate wearing shoes. They will only wear shoes absolutely when they have to, but there is a difference between walking outside your home and inside your home, you know, with, with bare feet. And those people mm-hmm. that are in bare feet, say, 90% of the time, right, mm-hmm. um, right. They, they do develop the hard calluses. and stuff. Like, So you can walk on sharp stuff, and it doesn't even bother you because the bottom of your feet, you've developed such thickness. You know, kind of reminds me of eight feet. But if you think about that, you know, mammals, I mean, think about what I just said, you know, so the bottom of their feet, they just become so calloused or hardened or thickened that no surface really bothers them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the heat, not anything, you know, so, but that's a different yeah. thing. And I'm not but saying I, that's good or yeah. bad, you know, uh-huh. because you go back to, again, years ago, it, it's normal to walk around bare feet. You know, to wear shoes all the time is something I believe that over the decades we've become conditioned to do, which if we go back to the beginning of time, we were mostly in bare feet. We did not, we didn't, we wore shoes less time than we didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you look at, um, you know, the old, the, the, uh, I remember the, the, talking about the value of gold. It's a little off topic, but it kind of, it kind of relates that the value of gold pretty much has held its value for, for several thousand years. Now, the Romans, you know, for a gold piece, you could get yourself a decent toga, decent belt, decent pair of sandals, and you'd be a well-dressed Roman for that one piece of gold, and one ounce of gold. Well, that same one ounce of gold today will get you, you know, a really nice suit, you know, belt, decent pair of shoes, you know, uh, and then probably have some left over because it's like $1,900 an ounce right now. So the thing is that the, the value hasn't changed that much, but the standards of dress are pretty, are very similar, you know, in terms of, right. uh, you know, of terms of dressed up. Now, what's interesting is sandals. I remember in California, you know, being earthy, crunchy land, they had something called Birkenstocks. I don't know if they're big out here, but uh, yeah. like 80s, 
80s and 90s, they all caught on. All the Californians wearing Birkenstocks, right? Because they were natural foot, you know, enhancing, exercising um, shoes. But they weren't, you know, you were taking in the parasites, <laughs> you know, in the ground. Um, exactly. And they were like, yeah, they were like health shoes. Do yeah, they I have those here? They still have them here or no? I, yeah, they still make Birkenstocks. Okay. Did anybody wear them? Uh, good question. I think so. I think maybe my one girlfriend does. Aren't they like open-toed sandals? Mm-hmm. I think they are. I think they were big. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm not crazy about sandals, but if they had like close top, like uh, like a sneaker version, <laughs> you know, Birkenstocks with, with that kind of sole, I might do that. Like a ventilated shoe. That'd be kind of fun outside. I don't want the top of my foot getting sunburned either. That's another issue because, you know, I don't get that much. You know, but around here, I'm only barefoot in here. Unless I'm playing guitar, because uh-huh. those pedals, you know, have those tiny little knobs. Nah, you got to wear something on your feet for those, you know. Different story. Um, there was something else I talked talk about this. The uh, Chinese medicine, for example, um, they always use meridians and nerves and things like that. Apparently, the bottom of your, of your feet have like a million different nerves <laughs> that go all over your body. They're all okay. radiating to different places. Do you know much about that? I, I don't, but, you know, it's like, um, oh, and now I'm going to have to look it up. It's like mapping. Have you heard of mapping? I've seen the maps. I've seen the acupuncture maps. Bottom of the feet, huge amount of stuff. Oh, <clears throat> if yeah, I can yeah, rub yeah. people's feet, they yeah. feel better. You know, in, if I can rub someone's foot and their back feels better. <laughs> Why? Because the, the, yeah. the nerves are connected. You know, if someone has a headache, you know, rub their feet. It sounds counterintuitive, right. but it actually works. Why? Because the foot has exactly. so many nerve connections to the spine and to the head and to the various organs of the body. Uh, that it makes sense Absolutely. that if you exercise your feet by walking in, you know, natural soul things that are, are, are at least where you can feel the earth, like the Birkenstocks, um, that actually makes sense that that's a part of your exercise. Well, look at Birkenstocks right now. I'm kind of curious. Not that I'm trying to give them a big plug, although they're welcome to donate to the show. But uh, let's, uh, let's see what we got here. For any company, yeah, well, by the way. It's uh-huh. like, you know, the of your feet are one of the poorest places in your body. You know, I mean, it's like pop. And that's a lot where if you have, like you said, headache or respiratory on, you know, you can put an onion on the bottom of your feet. And for some reason, that will really? help take care. Yeah, you wrap it. Put it. You can oh. use, I don't know, cellophane. You can use an ace bandage. You can use however you, however you want to do it. But take a slice of a non-GMO organic onion. Uh-huh. And put a thick slice bottom of your feet, and wrap it. Well, that was, it's not bad enough already. So why not use an onion? I'm just teasing you. Right, that's funny. That's funny. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you know. No, and, and using that will will help a head cold, a headache, and respiratory issues. Huh. So, because again, your big one of some of your biggest pores. Even though, right, our whole body has pores on it, right? We're made up of pores and cells. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. bottom of our feet, one of the poor, porous, P-O-R-E-U-S, porous places. Most porous. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So that yeah. goes back, again, to the whole grounding, everything uh-huh. that comes in right through your feet. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I'm looking at Birkenstocks right now, and uh, they still make them, obviously. <laughs> and they look they have, they have a little you know ridge around your foot, so there's some kind of protection. But it's just like two big, thick, one-inch straps across the top, so they're they're still open, open toe. But your right. feet are back a little bit from the uh, from the edge, so you, you don't really stub your toe because there's some distance. There's like this kind of border, like a, like a little bathtub around your foot. 
so I can see why they're popular. But yeah, they're still there, still out there. Yeah. All you earthy, yeah. earthy, crunchy people wearing your earth tone shirts and shoes and socks and things like that. Natural colors. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, now you have me wanting to look them up because I can't remember what that. I thought they were just like sandals. Well, they're different. They've got two big straps, one up uh, closer to your ankle and one across just behind your toes. So they're very yeah, classic. So they're, but, yeah, uh, the uh-huh. they, look like, they look like clogged sort of things. Kind of, but they're not. Yeah. They've got the straps, and they're actually more secure. And they're more secure than the flip-flop oh. sandals where you just put your toe between your big toe, a little, you know, next toe. I never liked those. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, yeah, people, they're, yeah, I, I see a lot of people wearing Birkenstocks. I had just forgotten about it, though. I hadn't, hadn't thought about it much, but yeah. You can wear it on the beach, too. You know, all kinds of yep. places. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think Probably wear them in the water. Need... <laughs> you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're leather. Yeah, I'm sure they make some that are like well, Crocs. I mean, the same style. Well, here's a funny story. Just a, a little. I remember I, I had bought a... Uh, I like rock parts. I imagine I got some rock parts actually from Rockport, Massachusetts. And I liked them so much when I got to California years later, I bought another pair. And uh, I actually ended up resoling those like three times. I wore out three three different soles, but they were so comfortable. But the the funny part was the first day I bought them, I'm down with friends at the beach, and I thought, you know, I, I should have taken them off, but I, I just walk on the beach. It was like cold. It was really cold. And all of a sudden, this huge wave comes up, completely drenches my my you know knees down to my shoes. So my beautiful new rock parts have been completely immersed in salt water. So I'm like a little upset, right? So take them home, let them dry. And, and for some reason, immersing them in salt water turned out to be the best thing. Those were the softest, best, most comfortable shoes I ever had. That's why I put three different soles on them. I, I wore them out three times. <laughs> you know, I had new vibrant soles on them. Um, and what just kind of okay. Rock parts. It's a walking okay. shoe. But because they got immersed yep. in salt water, they were, I don't recommend, I don't know, you know, maybe it's just an accident. But whatever it was, when they got soaking wet with pure salt water, uh, they were fine. They were, they, it was like they were tempered, soft leather, and they were Perfect from then on for like the next, you know, 10 years. Lived in them. Wow. Yep. Anyway, wow. so there's your story. Salt water isn't. So wear your shoes into the ocean, folks. When you get a brand new pair of shoes, walk right into the water. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard that? Okay. Have you ever heard that? No, I have not. Let's look it up. I have not heard that. Okay. That is cool. That is cool. But, yeah, so I think, I think you uh-huh. know, there's so many things that are coming to light in reference huh. to different, different forms of healing, different modals of keeping your body well. And mm-hmm. I think people really doing their own investigating and starting to go huh. backwards in time. Like I said, just to the whole grounding thing, like it's, you know, mm-hmm. you, we were used to walking around in bare feet. That's the way humans were made to, to walk on the earth with bare feet, not with shoes. Huh. Yeah, but you, if become... you start when you first walk and you start building up that callus, you know, for when you take your first steps, you know, by the time you're a teenager, you can run through the, the, the woods and the beach and the rocks and it doesn't matter. You've got such a big right. pad at the bottom of your foot. So the sneakers take the place, the sneaker sole takes the place of the, the foot pad that would be on your foot. So you're almost dependent Correct. on the, the shoes at that point because you don't have that pad built up. Correct. That's, that's, that's the true statement too. But you know, when, when, like you said, when, when babies take their first step, you know, mm-hmm. where you see babies outside in the grass walking around barefoot or chasing the dogs or what, you know what I mean? Whatever. We're, mm-hmm. you know, that just takes us back to the whole grounding thing and the earth. And as we get older, again, speaking for myself, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's hard for me to go out there and wonder what I'm stepping on or if I'm going to stamp at an ant hill or what, you know <laughs> what I mean? Well, you're so careful with yourself. I mean, you know, from the apple cider vinegar in the morning to your entire three-hour routine before you, uh, you know, walk out of the kitchen. <laughs> it's a, you know, it, this would be because uh, you think about everything, right? So the minute you're walking on the dirt, you're thinking, what's crawling into the bottom of my foot right now? What, what, what's there? You know, everybody else just walks. And you know what's interesting is uh-huh. I, I don't have an analytical personality. I'm not an analytical person, which is really weird because I like to research. And with my podcasting and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. they uh, – mm. Well, what makes That's you think you're not analytical? You, you couldn't do the research That's, that you do if you weren't saying. analytical. I don't, I don't think right. you, I think you are right. analytical. Well, maybe I'm selectively analytical because I just said, you know, that's kind of very contradictory to a lot of someone, things Someone in your past told you that you weren't analytical and it stuck with you because you are. You analyze yeah. everything. You're one of the most analytical yeah. people I know. You, you analyze everything <laughs> in terms of your health, what works, what doesn't work, what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, you know, how you're going to baking soda your, your strawberries so that they're just the, the right amount of uh, stuff. You analyze everything. What are you talking Who told you you weren't analytical? <laughs> Going a little psychology here. You know, oh, I'll, my I'll, put on my, I'll put on my, my empath hat. See, I know stuff. Right? You know, I can tell things. Right? Yeah, I'm, good at, I'm good at this. I think, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think, I think <laughs> what it is is I'm selectively analytical analytical. Maybe that's it. You know, I analyze certain things that I feel are important to me and other things I could care Wherever less about. That. Why would you analyze things yeah. you don't care about? Do you think I, I look deeply right. into the, the liberal <laughs> mind? No, because I don't care. I don't, I'm not going to agree with right. them anyway. You know, I mean, I, I can analyze yeah. them if they come on the show, but otherwise, no. <laughs> you know, right. so it's, right. uh, it depends. Well, actually, I have an interesting, uh, there's a friend of mine who's coming on the show tomorrow. She's very progressive from the, the left coast. Uh, she's an actor, and it's going to be a very interesting conversation. But is a thinking progressive? Did you just say from the West Coast or the Left Coast? <laughs> I said the Left Coast. Left Coast. Okay. Yeah. So I have a Left Coast actor who's coming on the show. Yeah. Bianca von Krieg uh, from Austria originally. And very interesting person. And so, uh, but we, we did the Facebook thing and it's interesting. This is where I get half my guests from. It's like people you may know. <laughs> and, and so I like, you know, have like, you know, 68 mutual friends. Like what? Really? Okay. Well, let's take a look. You know, anyway, so a friend or friend, but to someone that, that does Hollywood is like a, a classic Hollywood leftist person, but really thoughtful. <laughs> you know, and very interesting in terms of uh, problems with the left is and where they're not thinking. And it's uh, it's like we criticize, you know, conservatives for being idiots and not uh, doing anything and wanting to complain the whole time and not solve the problem. You know, uh, she criticizes the left. So it's, it's quite interesting. It's really kind of fun to, to talk to. And then we have our very special, did I tell you about our special guest? We're sort of digressing a bit here. Uh, Brianna Latipo is going to be on. So Brianna Latipo is an author. She, uh, like me, had a miserable childhood. She's going to talk about that, and we're going to sort of compare notes. Uh, she's also the wife of Dr. Joseph Latipo, who's our Surgeon General in Florida here. And so she's a crusader in her own right, interesting, and she'll still be my guest tomorrow. We're starting the show late. We're going to start at 10 o'clock Central, so 11 o'clock Eastern. She'll be on at 1 Eastern. It's going to be an interesting day tomorrow. So we're going to go from uh, conservative to, uh, actually from liberal to conservative. So, uh, you know, we're all over the place. Anyway, back to you. But, uh, but, but analyzing, you know, I mean, we analyze people's minds who don't agree with us, so we understand why they don't agree with us. But we don't analyze everything right. they do. You know, I don't care why communists right. want to take over the world. I just know they want to take over the world. So how much, how much you know, further analysis do I need? It's, you know, it's an interesting question. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think, I think that's good. But, yeah, this, um, 
the EES, the scalar energy, I'm really looking forward to digging digging more into. So, I mean, those have been the biggest things for, for me this week that actually have been topics and that we've been talking about on different podcasts with different people that, you know, I've been having conversations with about health and mm-hmm. and all the things. So it's going to tomorrow. Um, and okay. Taking, taking notes on my own personal, how I feel before, how I feel after, any things I got going on or whatever. And that'll be, I know that these centers, like I said, are, are, there's quite a few from what I've heard in Florida. What areas of Florida, I don't, I don't know, but you can go to Energy Enhancement Scalar Systems, EES, on, on your browser, and you can mm-hmm. pull up anything and look at the information. There's quite a few videos as well. And I know that if you have, um, a smart device, you know, um, and Alexa, I am a smart like device. That, you are the smart device, exactly. That some oh, of the frequencies you can actually get to play in your home, and there are certain devices that you can purchase to actually have in your home as well. And it's a very interesting concept. Very interesting. Huh. So, now, here we go. Energy okay. enhancement system. Yeah, okay. All-inclusive package starts at $28,000. What? I'm see something different. It's different EES, I'm sure. Evaluation entries. There's a lot of EESs. We'll have to clarify. So what's the website again exactly? So the one that I I have pulled up is Energy Enhancement. Well, mine's of Charlotte.com, but you can go to just Energy Enhancement Systems. Okay, and so you I got the right one here. Florida. So you can put right. it in Florida. If I want my own machine, it's $28,000. <laughs> this is what it looks like it says here. Yeah. Bioscalar. Oh, Bioscalar. There we go. Enhanced products. Okay. I got the right website. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Energy enhancement system. Yeah. Well, that's a bit. Lower energy is a big problem. That's because people are too busy. Scalar field therapy and mitigation of seizure disorder. Published clinical studies. This is serious stuff. What is scalar? The Progen 6000 biofeedback color spectrometer, ooh, invented by Guy Coggins, owner of Aura Imaging in Redwood City, California. I used to live near there. Okay, good stuff here. Mhm. Yep, some really, some really good, good stuff there. So that's okay. kind of been, you know, that's kind of been what I've been dive, diving into this. This week, as long as well as continuing to look into, um, I've been doing some research. You guys know, have you ever had um, Dr. Mercola on? No, I'd like to. Yeah, I would. I would love to as well. But I've been yeah. doing a lot of research into his stuff lately. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I used to get his newsletter, at- but I've, I've cut back on my newsletters. I'm, I'm, I've got them all on a, on my best uh, news site, so I kind of peruse different things. But uh, yeah, I was getting too yeah. many emails, <laughs> so I had to cut back on them. Yeah. And he, he actually got a little repetitive after a while. Everybody gets repetitive after a while, except us at Action Radio, because we're always breaking new ground. But uh, I had enough of it. I thought, okay, so much for that. Yeah. yeah. So it, okay. go back, like I said, for somebody that, say, uh, going back to the grounding, like say you're in the city or whatever, and mm-hmm. you can't go to outside to do your walking or anything like that, you can go and purchase a grounding Matt technology, and it's very in, inexpensive. Like on Amazon, 
what they do is I think there's like two grounding mats for probably like $45, something, uh-huh. like, something like that. Mm. And it'll do the same thing, especially for people who have to sit at their desk all day long, you know? Yeah, so you don't sit at your desk all day long. That's, you know, I, I get up about six times per show at least. Right. You know, just put it on, just put it on mute and stand up, and hope that it, uh, the conversation doesn't happen while I'm standing up and stretching. Because I, I, I can't sit that long, and apparently it's not good for you. That's one of the biggest problems. Is people who literally do sit at their desk all day. They have lunch there, and maybe take a restroom break. But uh, the, you can't sit. How dangerous? Sitting is like really dangerous, isn't it? I mean, really? Yeah. If you're sitting for too long of a time, it's also, it's the same concept as you know, like being on a plane for so long. You can develop blood clots in your legs. I mean, we're talking about you know if you're Flying from point A to Hawaii, say, extremely long. We're not five hours, but still in five hours, like even if you're in a car, you should stop yeah, and get up and, get walk, up and walk around. around. You know, yeah, yeah, you need to circulate that blood flow for, for sure. That's why yeah. when we're traveling, like whether we have to go to the bathroom or not, we try to stop at about every two hours, you know, just to get out no, and do that walk long. around, yeah. Yeah. do a couple of jacks and, you know. I'm standing up right now with my microphone. How's it sound? <laughs> it's kind of cool. It sounds great. I mean, I'm, okay, I'm standing up, too. I'm sitting down. All right. Yeah. Well, I should have uh, – in fact, there are some radio studios where they make you stand. They don't let you sit down because you get yeah. too, too slovenly. Well, you know, you can get, uh, like, a stand-up, um, thing, a stand-up desk, you uh-huh. know, for, for your desk to put on your desk if you want to stand yeah. up to make it, you know, higher or one of those elevated things I've got. I don't need that. stand-up desk. Yeah, but huh? the show, by the end of the show, I'm kind of hunched over on the show, so a lot of times I'll just stand up. I should do more standing with the microphone. You know, I didn't think I could do it because I didn't know how the signal was, but apparently if it sounds good to you, this is a little microphone test. I'll start great. doing this. I'll do the show standing up, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got the headphones, so I can I can put the microphone in the right place, but it's a it's a Yeti right. blue mic, and it gets, it gets heavy because <laughs> it's big. Big <laughs> microphone for That's my big, booming voice. Got, yeah. yeah, I've got a Yeti one, Yeti one too. Um, one of we my, all do, um, yeah. Yeah, one of my business partners um, blessed mm-hmm. me with it, and I, I can't I can't figure out how to get it connected and actually get it to work. Every time I do connect it, because I've got two computers and I connected it to my main one, it it mm-hmm. doesn't want to work. I think setting or something in my computer, but I no, just go to go to the stuff. go to the. Uh, you're probably still on the computer microphone. You haven't switched to the Yeti microphone. You have to actually switch it over. So my computer yeah, does I it did. automatically now. You know, when in fact, Blog Talk, oh, I plug right. the computer in, but you got to plug it in before you turn on the site. So in other words, if you have a podcast podcast site, you plug your microphone in first, so that when it logs into you to your computer, it recognizes that you're on microphone on a Yeti mic and not on the uh, not on the computer's microphone. So that's the right. secret. You got to plug right. the mic in first before you get the website up. Okay. Okay. I'll have to. I'll have to try that. I'll have to try that. Okay. And see if I can see if I can get it get it to work. But mine's pink, so you know, hey, mm-hmm. it matches my, mm-hmm. my it matches my computer and my glasses and all the things. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I, I know we got about fifteen minutes you know, left, again. but uh, I just wonder if we, if if uh, if you have other stuff, let me know. I always have other articles. Yeah. If uh, if if you're uh, if we're no, done I'm with our topic or. Uh-huh. It's getting towards the end of the um, end of the summer. Everybody's kind of rushing fall, so now uh-huh. is you know a perfect time. I know it's still pretty hot here in the Carolinas, but you know especially as it gets a little cooler, you know seventies right. or even low eighties, whatever, is a uh-huh. great time to get out and explore the concept of grounding. You know if if you're one that can get your mind. I mean I plan on doing it. Get your mind around not worrying about what you're walking on 
outside in your mm. grass or pick one area yeah. where you know there's no anthills, there's no anything. Cause no, I, 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 I friends by ants, yeah. Yeah. Well, how dangerous <laughs> is, is heat to people? You know, we don't talk, we haven't really talked about heat yet. You know, and it's uh, the difference between a 70 degree day, an 80 degree day, a 90 degree day, and especially as people get older, which we are. You know, how much, uh, what, how damaging is heat? You know, is it, is it good to be out in the heat, but just don't exert yourself? You know, is it, is it uh, physically removing uh, your oxygen because the air is less dense because it's hotter? I mean, hot air has less oxygen per you know liter <laughs> than uh, than cold air. So, what are the effects of heat? We haven't really talked about that. Good question. I've never really explored that too much, to be honest with you. But I think heat, okay. heat, heat. You know, again, it depends on the humidity and all the things. If you can breathe, you know, there's a lot of good benefits to heat as well because sweating is great for the body. Okay. You know, some people don't sweat, and that's not necessarily a good thing either. It is good to sweat and have your pores be <laughs> expending all that, you know. And there are some people that can work out or be out in the heat, and they just don't sweat, you know. They have to oh. really do different things to make themselves. And there are some people that sweat. They just walk outside, and it can be 70 degrees or 100 degrees, and as soon as they walk outside, they sweat. So everybody's body responds to the heat, you know, differently. But heat huh. certainly does have some benefits. Well, I definitely don't have to worry about sweat. I go for bike rides. <laughs> you know, anytime it's over 80 degrees, which it is a lot of the year, then I'll come back and just like wring out my T-shirt. I mean, literally wring it out. It is that full of sweat. <laughs> and I figure it's like my body cleanse. And this, this may be yeah, yeah. This is a little different than our usual chat, folks. We don't do politics all the time. Okay, this is wellness. But, yeah, if you want to have your own personal sauna, uh, and I have to wear long sleeves because uh, I had skin cancer. And so when I go out in the sun, I'm, I'm covered. The byproduct of that is I, I come home completely soaked with sweat, unbelievably so. Right. And I can't even put the, my stuff in the, in the laundry machine because it's, it's too wet. I have to dry it out for like a couple of days. <laughs> That's how bad it is, right? Um, That's but the funny. Point is that I feel really clean afterwards. It's, it's better than a shower. You know, for some reason, when you sweat that much, and then I drink like a gallon of water. <laughs> You know, I drink a gallon yeah. before I go and a gallon when I come home. Well, not quite that much. I drink a lot. So I drink a lot of water before I go because I don't drink while I'm going. It's just, it's not that big a deal. I don't really notice well, it's know, coming back you anyway. Up, uh-huh. You bring up the water topic. And uh-huh. Interesting. And I, I don't remember if we've touched on this before. I mean, we've talked about salt. Well, let's, which, let's you know, touch it again. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but, but you know what I mean. But okay, talking fine. about like hydration, people think that they can just uh-huh. drink water uh-huh. and hydrate themselves. That's, that's false. You know, okay. your body is made of water, but when you drink, say, a gallon of water a day, which I drink a lot of water, probably a gallon a day, right? Huh. And you live in the bathroom or what? <laughs> no, well, the thing is, you're flushing out a lot of your minerals and electrolytes. Hmm. So not only should you be drinking water, but in that water, at some uh-huh. point in time during your you should have some sort of natural electrolyte or salt, you know, a pinch of pink Himalayan sea salt, Celtic salt because of those minerals in your body. So it's like, I, I keep giving examples of myself because I've got a zero water pitcher. So when I fill up my zero water pitcher, it literally takes everything out of my water. I have a, um, oh, you know, the measuring tools that they give you, and I put it in my water, and it says zero. And it hmm. takes everything out of my tap water. I mean, everything. So, which means I have to replenish minerals and salt and electrolytes. So if you just drink water, which mm-hmm. we're made up of water, right. right? You you're giving yourself fluid, but you're not 
replenishing any electrolytes, loss of salt, anything like that. You're actually, whatever is in your body, you're flushing out, right? Because water flushes stuff out. And your body does soak up water like a sponge, right? If you put water on a sponge, it expands. Right. You're not getting the minerals and the electrolytes that you need. So whether you have a purification system or not, water is not enough. You've got to replace the, the minerals and the salt that your body is losing. What about the so food you eat? You know, if you have... Uh you know, uh, uh, fish, salad, cilantro, onion, garlic. I'm thinking of my breakfast, actually, you know, when I'm done with the show. You know, there's tons right. of minerals in all that, you know, in the fruits and vegetables right, and, and meat that I said. eat. Nine, right. Nine out of ten people don't eat like that. Most people well, well, don't they're, eat. Well, they're idiots. <laughs> you right. Get my diet. Get the Greg diet. You'd be so healthy. Right. The only thing, just got, I guess you have to cut the portions back a bit, but quite honestly, well, I'm, I'm getting back to fasting properly. I used to intermittent fast and then cheat. You know, I'm trying not to eat anymore. It makes me really hungry at night and, and a little bit irritable, too. That's kind of an interesting byproduct. So I get frustrated when I play guitar at night, you know, because I haven't eaten for like six hours. <laughs> so I, I think I better play guitar earlier and get my work done because intellectually, without that food, you know, so I'm losing weight, but I'm also losing brain power. So they kind of go hand in hand. Well, like I said, I mean, most people, you know, uh-huh. don't get the minerals, the electrolytes, the correct type of salt that they need to replenish all that. Because remember, we talked about the different types of salt and all that. And, yeah. you know, you need the electrolytes to be replaced. So think, well, what think foods, about this. I don't add salt to anything. So what foods have salt, natural salt? Well, you've got sour, sauerkraut, right? You've got mm-hmm. any of your seeds, not nuts, because I'm not a big fan of nuts, but buying seeds that have Sea salt, or like I buy pumpkin seeds that have pink Himalayan. Okay, sea so salt the, yeah, the nuts that you'd have sea salt. I have a nut mixture that has sea salt in it, so that'll that'll work. How about the fish, like like salmon and herring, which are big fans of mine? Mm-hmm, Do salt mm-hmm. fish um, have salt in them because they live in salt water? I would say you're stretching it there. I would probably say there's not a whole lot because of the processing mm. and the cleaning process that they go through. Okay. So I got to find some pink Himalayan sea salt. So I just have to find some pink Himalayans, and I'm all set. Could be, yeah. You could use pink Himalayan sea salt on. All <laughs> okay, it was funny last week. Exactly. Right, right. Okay. But right. you know that's that's because if you think about it, I mean, uh-huh. I don't like using this example, but I'm going to use it. So if you oh. if you go to the hospital and they give you IV fluids, they're right. not giving you IV fluids of just water. Right. The IV fluids have different things in, in them, supposedly good things, right, to get you hydrated. Supposedly. It's not just water. <laughs> yeah, we're from the hospital. We're trying to kill you. Okay, fine. Yeah. I, I got, you know, so ever you since I learned about COVID in hospitals, I don't have much faith in those people. So would I take an IV? I mean, how do I know it doesn't have remdesivir in it? I mean, you don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot yeah. more, I am glad I had my heart surgery when I did before COVID because I don't know if I do it now. I don't know if it's worth the risk, right. knowing that hospitals are perfectly happy putting people on ventilators, knowing that 95% of them are going to die, and yet they did it right. anyway. You know, so what kind right. of barbarians are these people? That they'll follow government protocols to, so they can make money. I've got an article here uh, I might get to on, on how much money the hospitals made. They made a fortune during COVID by killing people because that's what the government wanted them to do. You know, it's really scary. Right. So the idea of going to a hospital and getting an IV used to be a simple thing. It's not so simple anymore. Right. You know, so that's a, yeah, that's an issue. Yeah. 
But um, let's talk about the. the so replen- I know, go ahead. So, so replenishing that stuff is important, mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking about hy- hydration mm-hmm. and not just using the water. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of uh, drinks, uh, the sport drinks. Gatorade is probably the best known. Uh, that has, you know, salts. It tastes like salt. It's hard, horrible stuff. It tastes like salty Kool-Aid. I can't stand it. I tried it once. Ugh, awful stuff. I have friends that swear by it. Anyway, probably think they should drink it. But the one thing missing from uh, Gatorade that uh, Dr. Artis told me on the show uh, is that it has no magnesium. And magnesium is the most critical element for regulating your body temperature. That's what your body uses to regulate its temperature. So if you're out in the summer heat, you're playing sports. You want your body to regulate its temperature. And the one thing, and then you drink Gatorade. The one thing it doesn't have is the one thing that you need to regulate your temperature. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I can't speak to Gatorade because okay. I, I've never purchased Gatorade in my home. The old Gatorade that I used to read the labels on and all the dyes yeah. and all the things. I don't know if they have a clean Gatorade. I have no clue. So <laughs> I, I can't. Speak to that because and a Gatorade has never even come into my home ever. So since I even since my son's 25 and it's, we never bought Gatorade, you know, because I've always had partnerships with wellness companies and I buy clean stuff and blah blah blah. So I can't answer to that, but having some sort of a clean electrolyte. Drink. Well, can you can you make your own drink if you had water and pink Himalayan sea salt yeah. and lots of lemon Correct. and some some natural sugary something or other you know because you don't want to taste Absolutely. all the salt you know you could probably make your own drink yeah. so do you Absolutely. have a uh, do you have a CJ's marvelous mixture that you want to share with us? Uh, what I use is um, a lot and I drink it every morning. Is of course uh, fresh <laughs> lemon juice. Right. Yep. I make my I take my own lemons. Make my own. Lemon, lemon juice. Every How do you make your own lemon? <laughs> but I buy the organic you you lemons. Your own lemons. I wash them. Okay, fine. <laughs> I wish. I wash them with, you know, baking soda and vinegar because my knife is going to go through the rinds, and I actually use the rinds as well. I boil the rinds. But anyway, I make my own lemon juice. Well, that's where all the pesticides Everyone's are, though. Huh? That's what the pesticides are. You never want. See, this is what I learned about uh, concentrate versus, versus. This is why I drink Tropicana orange juice versus regular orange juice from concentrate. Because when you drink from uh, concentrate, they take the, the rinds and they grind those up because they want every last bit of juice. But that's where all the pesticides sit. So the reason that Tropicana doesn't have that bitter taste is because it doesn't have all the pesticides from the rind. They only take the fresh. They only take the juice part of the orange. Right. Ooh. So. Fun thing so to know and tell. Okay. So it's the same thing with avocados, right? Uh-huh. You don't eat the avocado skin. No. I still spray down or wash out my wash my avocados before I cut them because my knife is going through there. When I'm my right. knife or whatever is through there. So when I do the lemons or oranges, I still clean them. Mm-hmm. You know, to get the shiny well, that all that sense. stuff off. Yeah. Because I'm cutting them. So I I can using the using the baking soda and the vinegar, right? And all the mm-hmm. all the all the stuff that I use and clean mm-hmm. it. And then mm-hmm. I typically take most of the time, it's mostly lemons. Every once in a while, I will throw in organic an organic orange, but I'll, I'll juice them, right? Mostly lemons. Let's just say lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Juice them, put them in a container, and then I will take my Celtic salt and put it in there. Celtic salt, is that different than Himalayan salt? How many salts do you have? you got Celtic salt, you got Himalayan salt. I'm getting confused. 
I've got the regular iodine salt, which I told you I use just from we have a sore throat, just gargle your table salt. Then I've got okay. pink Himalayan sea salt and Celtic salt. Those are the three what? salts that I have in my. <laughs> I, well, I should I shouldn't complain. I got three cans of honey. You know, I've got uh, one wildflower, one raw natural, and I've got one, uh, yep. you know, creamy. So I mean, I, I, you know, they're all. You know, I, mean, I shouldn't complain about your. I'm not complaining about your, your, your sea salts. Like I say, how, how many people have three kinds of honey in their cabinet? I do. I have a sweet tooth. Yeah, uh-huh. I just have local. I have a organic local raw honey. That's because I buy it from my girlfriend who has a hot honey bee farm. Um, yeah. But so uh-huh. that's what I do. I do that, and and I put the pink Himalayan, and I and I drink. I can probably maybe four ounces first thing in the morning. You know, okay. and then the apple cider vinegar, and then all the things. Right. So right. so that's what I do, but also. I also have a natural electrolyte drink. Like, I'll make that, and when I go work out here, I'll drink that in my water while I'm working out. So, you know, from one of the companies that I partner with, you know, that doesn't have any dyes or any sugars and all the things. But as far as making your own, yes. I do lemon, which is great, and a Celtic salt. You can even do, and that's why I mentioned on our other podcasts, like when you're working out, to really pump up your muscles and replace the loss of salt and some of the minerals is just do warm water with a teaspoon, a teaspoon of pink Himalayan sea salt and mix it up and drink that warm water right before you're working out. And it's really good for your muscles and recovery and to keep you from getting sore and, you know, all the, all the things. So there's definitely ways that you can replace Mm -hmm. um, different things in your body for sure. And I'm a big fan of drinking the, the pink Himalayan and or Celtic salt water, you know. I have to check a couple of my food stores around here. We have one, the alternative food store, and I have a pharmacy. Uh, I'll give them a plug to Frick's Pharmacy, and they both have uh, alternative pretty good products. So I'll take a look and see if I can get some alternative salt. All right, darling, that's it for today. We're, we're done. So shameless plug time. Tell us where to find you and uh, websites, Facebooks, podcasts, videos. Yep, yep, well, Yep. Anything so you're you doing? Can find me on, Dating yep, sites? You can find no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hush, I'm not giving out that information. No. Um, you can start you can one, though. On what, if you, what if you start Wait a minute. What if you start a, a, a dating site for healthy people? We'll call it Natural Dating. That's true. Hey. C- CJ's Natural great. Dating. Yeah, okay. I'll work on it with you. That would be good. We'll, we'll make a fortune. That would be great. We'll have nothing yeah. but healthy people doing healthy <laughs> things with each other. And here's That's our slogan. Right. Healthy people doing healthy things with each other. There's our slogan. <laughs> that would be great. Um, okay. So well, can, we'll be talking. You can email me. Okay. Well, you can email me at h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com, h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram at getfit69. That's getfit69. But I will not accept any Instagram follows unless you tell me how you know me. So you will have to send me a, a message saying, hey, I heard you on Ashton Radio, something like that, and then I would be happy to accept your follow request. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I just have a couple things to play, and then we got our show tomorrow, which is going to be fabulous. I have two great guests, one, and they're totally different. <laughs> Bianca Von Krieg, who's our, our, uh, from the Left Coast Progressive, um, Hollywood actor, and then we've got uh, uh, Brianna Latipo, um, who's author, fascinating person, activist, and uh, they're going to be on tomorrow. So we have two, uh, one who's been on before, one who hasn't. So it's going to be an interesting day. And then we have our, actually, we're going to have our animal shelter report. We're going to squeeze that in too. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting time. So stay well, watch your feet, don't get too grounded, watch the, the bugs out there, and uh, have a great week. You too. I'll talk with you later, Greg. Thank All you. Right. Have a great day. 
Thanks, Bye-bye. CJ. There we go. A couple of things to play, and then we're done for today. Uh, we're just only slightly over time. And then I'm going to watch Mike Lindell's um, big event and uh, find out what, what he's doing that doesn't include Action Radio, which it should, because we've got the answers to all the questions and all, this, all the problems he has. We have a bill already uh, written to, uh, to solve, and that's probably why we're not there. <laughs> kind of cynical? You tell me. All right. Talk to you all tomorrow. And that's tomorrow again. Special time. We're starting at 10 a.m. Central Time. One more time. 10 a.m. Central Time. We'll talk to you then. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.